Hello, it is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. October 20th uh, is a date that is near and dear to my heart, obviously. Uh, you can go back 10 years from now and listen to an alleged story from the officers of the law. Uh, got arrested, obviously. Public intoxication. Changed my life forever. Went from... An anonymous kid buying shots for everybody in Indianapolis that is probably using his dad's card. Why does he have money to? Oh, your mugshot is being shown around Indianapolis 400 times a day because we're on a bye week and there's nothing else to talk about. You can't go outside anymore. Everybody knows who you are. I mean, not just Indianapolis either. I remember being in Iowa and then them talking about it on like the Dan Patrick show and et cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, it was on every morning radio show. I believe Jimmy Fallon uh, had a jo- or Jimmy Kimmel had a, a joke about it. There was a couple others that had mm-hmm. a joke about it. Yeah. When I got out, uh, you know, when I got out, <laughs> Tim McAfee drove out to see me, obviously. Uh, and if you ever heard me tell the story about it, Tim was my only call. You only, you get one call from jail, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you've heard about it, but you never expect to actually have to do it. And I only had one phone number saved. It was Tim's. So I called Tim, you know, and it's the whole conversation is like, hey, Dad, I fucked up. He goes, oh, we know. Like, you know, he <laughs> did the entire thing, and then it, it abruptly hung up, okay? So it just abruptly hung up. Mm-hmm. So I have to hang up my side, and then I tell the two guards that were with me just to walk me back to my cell or whatever, like my dad doesn't want to talk to me at this moment. So I get out. I go to the facility, I get sent home, obviously, suspended the whole thing. I go back to my house, I don't have a phone, I don't have anything. And I open my laptop that I probably hadn't used in like two, three years at that point. I was going to send a message to my mom on Facebook to like apologize or whatever. As I'm doing that knock on the door, you know, and it's Tim McAfee. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? I only had one call, you hung up on me. He was like, no, dude, they... They asked me if I wanted to buy minutes to talk to you. It was like 40 bucks a minute. Your mom and I talked about it, and we just, at the time, we just figured we'll talk to them later, I guess. So they didn't tell you. <laughs> they told me they were going to tell you that I chose not to do that. That's, can't trust anybody these days, he says. <laughs> Quite a scene. Life has changed drastically since then, uh, for the better, obviously. And life is good. But October 20th, also the day I tackled Trinidad Holiday, I believe. Pretty sweet moment. Pretty big day. Mm -hmm. Sunday night football, Peyton Manning came back to town. His first trip back to Indianapolis as a member of the Broncos. The loudest Lucas Oil Stadium has ever been. Awesome. It was an awesome environment. And I think Sunday night football said it was their, at the time, the highest viewed regular season game of all time or something like that. It was awesome. Everybody talks about the tackle. I think I had six punts inside the 20 that night, too. No big deal, Peyton. You're going the long way, pal. You want to score against us. I was getting lucky, obviously. So October 20th, big day in my life. And today, I think we're going to have one of the coolest conversations we've ever had. We knew, uh, and by we, I mean us in the office, we knew there was a very good chance that the Green Bay Packers were not going to go undefeated. Correct. It just wasn't going to happen. Only one team in 101 years of existence of the NFL has gone undefeated, 72 Dolphins. They'll celebrate like they do every single year whenever whoever finally loses and becomes no more undefeated teams or whatever. So I'm intrigued for how this conversation is going to go. Me too. Once again, if you like this show, be a friend, tell a friend at the end of it. If you don't like the show, just act like it never, ever happened. I am on a heater, by the way. Yeah. Wish I could grab some of that via osmosis i'm getting my fucking teeth kicked in 
Me and the Hammer right now are swinging on the Hammer Don podcast, which is hosted by Tone Diggs. I'm on it with Gumpy and Michael Lombardi. I am 24 and 11 on the season right now. That is very good. <laughs> it feels good. I'm going to be honest. It feels good. And the Cardinals winning by two scores. Double di- I never had something hit me like that. Like it was a wave in the middle of the conversation. I just had this, the universe just like dumped on me. They were like, excuse me, it's going to be a double digit. And I was like, oh my God. It literally just hit me out of nowhere. And one of those things, whenever you, you, you realize it, you feel it, you just got to hammer it. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that would be the story of my life. I'm too dumb to second guess anything that my gut says or the universe says. I just run with it, and it's been hit. It's been hitting us. Worked out well so far. Hey, it do be like that sometimes. So, <laughs> if I get one of those again, I will tell you. I mean, I said it aloud, brought the hammer out, and everything. But hammer Don H A M M E R D A H N is our gambling podcast, and we are we are giving out winners. Right oh yeah, now. oh yeah. People don't like talking about whenever they're on a heater or whatever. Once again, I don't, I'm on a heater right now. Got to ride the wave. Will it turn? Probably, potentially. They say that's what sports gambling does, but I don't see it happening in the near future. If you don't feel like it's going to happen, then you're good. Oh, I feel good. Last night, I couldn't have been more certain of what was going to happen. Both those games, I was just, eh, here we go. Yeah. This is going to happen. It's kind of a fun way to watch games, by the way, when you just know you're going to win a bunch of money from FanDuel. Yeah, I would imagine so. It's pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty cool. That first half of that game, they were up, what, 21-3 or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I got a couple of texts from some people and a lot of tweets that were like, I don't know how you knew this was going to be a blowout. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the NFL in 2020, okay? 21-3 is nothing. Then I got in the third quarter, and I quickly realized, like, oh, this was just going to keep going. Yeah. And it did. It just kept on going. It felt really good. And if you're gambling at home uh, alongside us, which I would recommend if you can, you have to be gambling at FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is a mobile sportsbook, obviously, that goes on your app. They also have one uh, brick and mortar over there in Jersey. It's beautiful. I've never been, but I've heard it's beautiful. But their mobile sportsbook app from FanDuel is the most user-friendly app I think I've ever encountered, actually. I agree, especially for this kind of stuff. The amount of things that are on there, the amount of sports you can gamble on, the the odds are the best that they could possibly be, but it's so easy to use. What do you like? Boom, I like this. Boom, I like that. Bang, you're off and running. Oh, the odds change real quick. Okay, boom, I still like that. Oh, live betting. Let me see. I think this team's going to get hot. Let me go. Is that right? Yep. Boom. Let me hit that. It's just so easy to use. It's so user-friendly, and they refund bets on a regular basis. Not normal, by the way. Probably more than they should, to be honest. They are a dumb business for the amount of money they give away, the amount of odds that they boost. They give you better odds than anywhere else. It's just, I don't know how they're making money, but we don't care. They're a big partner of ours, and we appreciate the hell out of them. But we're, our job is to bankrupt them, uh, and we can't thank FanDuel enough. If we're, we're coming to Tennessee, I do believe. Okay. That might be breaking news. I'm not 100% sure. Really? I think we're coming to Tennessee, yeah. And when we come to your state, just know that you can, you can do whatever. You want to try other ones? Cool, cool, cool. You will quickly realize, like, okay, this is the best one. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, the first kind of like bet you offer is basically always a guaranteed winner. You know, if they're still if they're boosting those uh, those lines up big time, whether it's the Titans or the Tennessee Vols or whoever, like, it's going to be an automatic winner. Yeah, and I will push very, very hard for a spread the love maybe down there in Tennessee, right. mm-hmm. so we can be a team betting thing, so you can get the line all the way up, so it is a automatic win or whatever. Yeah, so we're coming to your state. If we're not there yet, get ready. It is a good time. It makes watching sports 
I don't know, 4,000 times better. Um, and if we're in your state already, let's go. Come join us. Let's have a good time. Let's get to the show here. Big day. Ike Taylor, Tom Pelissaro, and Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Let's have a Tuesday. Back-to-back Monday late afternoon and night football games. The Fox broadcasts of Troy, Joe, EA, and Christina had the Chiefs travel to the Buffalo Bills in a torrential downpour with 49-degree weather in the Kansas City Chiefs. Broke multiple Andy Reid era records last night. 46 rush attempts, 245 yards rushing, the most in the Andy Reid era. Absolutely smothered the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Once again, showcasing that if they have to win a game on the ground, they can do so, like they did the opening night when they fed Clyde Edwards Elaire, or as Jim Nance and Tony Romo named him, <laughs> mm-hmm. CEH, the rock on a regular basis. The offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs showed up in beautiful fashion last night, and Patrick Mahomes made plays when he had to. And on the flip side, the Buffalo Bills never really seemed to get much going. Josh Allen ran the rock, I think, eight times for 40-some yards. Looked like he was taking some monster shots that he was just eating for lunch, and I was very impressed with it. A couple of his passes off the mark. He only threw for 122 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But I think the stats don't really showcase how terrible the weather was for Josh Allen and for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why the rushing attempts for the Kansas City Chiefs were up more than they had ever been before. So I don't think we can judge Josh Allen, the passer in this particular game, but I do believe we can judge the Buffalo Bills as a team at this point. Early in the season, Bills Mafia was riding high as they should, by the way. Josh Allen was having his first 300-yard game, second 300-yard game, third 300-yard game. We're winning, we're winning. The New England Patriots don't have Tom Brady anymore. The Miami Dolphins, big news coming here in a couple by the way, and the New York Jets are the New York Jets. They thought now was their time, especially after last year's playoff run. Now here we are. Titans, one of the top AFC teams, just absolutely ate them for lunch. Kansas City Chiefs in a game that you would think would favor the Buffalo Bills with the ground and pound style. Kansas City Chiefs handed them dinner. I mean, it was a rough afternoon and night if you look at it in that particular fashion for the Buffalo Bills, but that team's still going to have to get better. Kansas City Chiefs just proved that the Kansas City Chiefs are still the most dynamic offense out there. If they need to pass, they can do it. If they need to run, they can do it. And they still have another player that's currently in quarantine named Le'Veon Bell who will be joining that roster. Kansas City Chiefs look absolutely stupid. And in the late game, the Red Rocket Andy Dalton led the Dallas Cowboys at home against Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals. Early in the game, he didn't know what was going to happen. Punt, punt, this isn't what we thought. Is this just going to be an ugly evening? Then Zeke gets a fumble. Then Kyler Murray misses some passes, and they don't really take advantage of it. What's going on here? Then the Dallas Cowboys did exactly what the Dallas Cowboys have done and just give up a bunch of points. They're on pace to set another record on the defensive side of the ball to give up the most points in an NFL season. In this particular time, Kyler Murray was nowhere near his best. No, nowhere near. He was missing passes that he doesn't normally miss. He was missing reads, I guess, that some people say he doesn't normally miss. But on the ground, he just ran all over. I mean, it was next level. He was un 
untouchable by that Dallas Cowboys defense. They pop one late to somebody or to DeAndre Hopkins. Larry Fitzgerald got a couple catches, but everything about that Dallas Cowboys team from the defensive side of the ball looks like they're a sieve. Like they're just going to yep. give up points, even if they make some big plays and they're rallying to the ball and it looks like energy is high. For whatever reason, the Dallas Cowboys defense just can't stop shit. That's just what they can't do. And we as gamblers will note that going forward mm-hmm. for everybody they play until they prove differently, by the way. We thought there was a chance that this was a team that they could maybe rally behind because Kyler Murray's been kind of hot and cold this particular season. Maybe this is when the Dallas Cowboys step up. But no, they didn't. I thought that the Cardinals were going to win by two uh, scores yesterday. I hammered it, and it was coming to fruition very, very early. And on the flip side, Andy Dalton and that Dallas Cowboys offense got a lot to figure out. Everybody was like, they're going to have to feed Zeke. They're going to have to feed Zeke because uh, McCarthy maybe doesn't have the passer. Not maybe, definitely doesn't have the passer that he had in Dak and Andy Dalton. They fed Zeke, and for whatever reason, Zeke was wearing his sweatshirt underneath, yeah. and he gives up two fumbles. Okay, The first one he caught, it was kind of like in the middle of the field. It wasn't exactly like a running back fumble. But the second one, it was just a clear fumble. He squeezed, ball came out. And a lot of people would say, maybe it was the sleeves, maybe it was the thing. But also, Zeke could potentially be in his own head right now. They say fumbles come in bunches, and they also say once a fumbler, always a fumbler. So will Zeke be able to get rid of this in this season that is obviously going to be very daunting for the Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott? Or is he going to continue to be a fumbler, be on the sidelines, and Andy Dalton and Tony Pollard are going to have to take over this offense? And then that defense, it looks like they're not going to be able to stop shit. Is this just going to be a nightmare year for the Dallas Cowboys, but potentially a $500 million a year for Dak Prescott. I think last night everybody on earth was thinking it. I didn't want to say it because Andy Dalton, this is the first game as a starter there. But if it looks like that for, what, the next four or five games, Jerry Jones might try to cut that franchise tag off in the middle of the season because he's on IR and negotiate a 45-year deal. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that Dallas Cowboys offense was breaking all types of passing mm-hmm. records. They were breaking every like lot of records. They weren't winning games, okay, but they were breaking offensive efficiency records all over the place. Last night, they couldn't do a damn thing. Not a damn thing. They scored a touchdown at the end, and everybody's pissed. Like, yeah, just get me out of here. Let's end this game as much as we possibly can. They showed Steven and Jerry Jones up in the thing. They got problems, but if I had a guess, I would say that Dak Prescott, T's and P's, by the way, for your rehab and recovery after that gruesome injury, I would assume he was laid up somewhere. Okay, probably had his leg up like you under here or something like that. Oh, yeah. He was watching that game. And he was probably, you know, pulling for the Cowboys, biggest fan, right? Mm-hmm. Has a lot of friends on that team. You're obviously going to pull for your friends. And then whenever the, it started to struggle, there was somebody in the proximity of Dak Prescott that said, these sorry motherfuckers owe you $600 million, <laughs> maybe $700 million. And I would assume Dak being the gentleman he is, hey, don't say that probably. You know, like, hey, don't say that. But that whole conversation started leaking into the internet and then into everybody's minds because what that offense looked like last night versus what it has looked like with Dak, even though they haven't been winning games for whatever reason, was just night and day. And maybe Andy don't be able to turn it around. Maybe they won't. But it sure looks like that Cowboys team is dead it really does feel oh, like yeah. Yeah. all the boys are here there's some breaking news that we have to talk about here at tone digs uh not a bad night for us gambling last no. night i think really we made a lot of money we were last five night. and oh pretty much i felt very good about that was it too predictable almost of what was going to happen Ooh. sometimes like like that game like when it is too predictable you go the other way kind of like with the rams and niners on on yeah. sunday night but then sometimes you gotta you gotta wade through the weeds in, in the high grass and you gotta <laughs> 
hey, this predictable one's actually predictable because the Cowboys fucking stink. Cowboys very much stink. And there's a guy that comes on our show every single day. He'll be here in the third hour, more yes. Monday through Thursday. A.J. Hawk is here. He picked the Dallas Cowboys to uh, go to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he and he has huh. not backed off. And there was a lot of people, by the way, they're like, this could be the Cowboys year. Because when you look at him on paper, you're like, okay, this team, talented, mm-hmm. whatever. To, just for some reason down there, saw it with Jason Garrett, okay? Blame the clapper. Clapper, clap. Come on, boys. Hey, guys. Come on, boys. Hey, guys. We're losing. Hey, guys. We're losing really bad. Big smile. If we could fucking win a game or two, that would be cool, wouldn't it? All right, guys. We suck again, but... (laughs) (laughs) Jason Garrett, that's what he was known for. Oh, yeah. Being the smiling, clapping guy. And they can't win a game, can't do this, can't do that. Then you bring in Mike McCarthy, and it just seems like, all right, is it it the coaches or is it the ex- the uh, common denominator. Oh, got to look at the denominator. Got to look at the common denominator. It feels like, are the Cowboys just an organization that can't win? Are they becoming an organization that's like the Detroit Lions, but a little bit better? You know, like a little bit better. <laughs> but shinier. But cursed. Yeah, a little bit shinier. Similar color scheme. So, mm-hmm. Are they cursed in Thanksgiving? Are they cursed? Yeah. yeah. Is it the Thanksgiving curse? Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, my God. Here we go. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Anyways, <laughs> we'll cover that later. But it does feel like the Cowboys just can't win. And if you're Dak Prescott, you watch that game last night, and you're like, all right, they're going to owe me a lot of fucking money. That's what that sounds like. And who knows who's going to want to go there. But that was a bad, bad showing for the Cowboys. And I don't think it's going to get any better. I don't think it's going to get any better. I, I, I think it's going to get worse, potentially. Or Andy Dalton just starts lighting it up, starts slinging it all over the place, yep. and they can figure it out. But that defense is going to put up a record. And it's not the record that you want to be known for if you're on the Dallas Cowboys defense. And with all this being said, they're still in first place in the division. Yeah, the Field Yates, uh, super intelligent man who grew up uh, like one town over from Boston Connor, who looks incredible today. By oh, yeah. oh, thank you. You look fantastic as well. Pinky ring, I see. Yeah. Huh? Whoa! Wow, look at that thing. Yeah, I got a new pinky ring. I've, I, you know, I've always wanted a pinky ring. Yeah. You know, just want to let her. Growing up in Pittsburgh, you're around a lot of Italians. Of course. Oh, yeah. A lot of Italians. I'm sorry, by the way. I, Whoa. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. You can't. No. Well, I mean, what are we doing here? No, I don't, that wasn't funny. No, I, just, I, I was just, you know, just because was, you were the only Irish kid. I, I apologize yeah. that you were alone in that. I was normally. Good heritage if it I, slapped him in the face. I was normally the only Irish human in the area. Okay. That was just kind of. And I don't think all of Pittsburgh's like that, obviously. Just every single part that I've ever been around, it feels like that is how it goes. Yikes. And I always saw, you know, pinky rings on pretty. Awesome human beings, yeah. like pretty entertaining humans. Well established. And I was, all, well, yeah, just entertaining. Like the life that they live is just an entertaining one. Like high ranking okay. individual. Yes, that, exactly. <laughs> like that human is a very entertaining human right there. Nobody knows how or why he is doing the things that he's doing, but this human's hilarious and always very nice to me. By the way, I've always been treated very nicely by the Italians. Always, literally, always. Oh, yeah. At Nick Morato, have the Italians? I feel like you guys have always been a very welcoming uh-huh. to my Irish ass and to the Italian community. We have, but you're walking a fine line these past couple years. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I did 23andMe, dude. I'm 0.09% Italian. Don't you take anything I've ever said and hold it against me, by the way, because I was speaking as an Italian man, so or partially. I think you're at 1% now, the amount of pizza you ate in, like, throughout the last couple... Thank you. I appreciate a lot of New York years. pizza. Thank the ring you. and chain moving up a little bit, too. What does that make you, Z? Uh, oh, I'm 100% Italian. Yeah, so... <laughs> Hell yeah. But anyways, I always saw hilarious just yelling into a microphone right there. The, uh, for no reason. <laughs> it's awesome. But I always saw, like, a pinky ring and i was like 
Those things are awesome. High school, I wanted one. Did not have the pedigree to be wearing one. Now I'm at the point where I have a, a ring on. I was never, so now I'm wearing a ring. It's like I feel like I'm I'm in I'm okay with rings on my fingers. We never was yeah, before. Yeah. I'm okay with it now. So I had a conversation with me. I like think pinky. I think it's time for a pinky ring. It, and here we are, day one. My wife got this for me on Amazon Prime Day. Oh, six wow. seven bucks probably. Perfect. Very nice of her. Thanks, Bezos. But now that shout out to Bezos. Shout out Bezos. <laughs> That son of a bitch. I think he made like forty billion <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. just on Prime Day or yeah. whatever. Big but the, the uh, he sold a lot of these rings, I would assume. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. He probably has one. Yeah, I don't mind it. This is the first morning with it. We'll see how it goes. I'm not hundred percent. Has your daily sure. routine changed with that ring on? So I was a uh, house of cards. I was a house of cards watcher. You know. Yeah. Oh mm. yeah, yeah. And Frank Underwood used to do the double knock oh, yeah. on the thing. Oh, that's I good. found myself doing that. I don't know, thirteen <laughs> to fourteen times this morning already. Might as well. Yeah, I was about to leave the house. This, I was about to leave the house this morning. Had a fruit smoothie there, sitting there. Pinky eye. And uh, I grabbed it. And I go to Sam, uh, she was sitting at the uh, dining room table or whatever, and I was in the kitchen. And I go, have a great day this morning. <laughs> and she goes, what the fuck was that? I was like, presidential shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. Everyone had to do it. The, uh, so I think that is really what I've liked about it. I, it's not too big. I, I think we could go a little bit more aggressive with it. but yeah, Get some diamonds on I mean, it's a status there. symbol. So. And this yeah. could potentially change... Um, my gambling. I'm very hot right now. Mm -hmm. We have a show called Hammer Don out of, that comes out of our office, and it is a gambling podcast. Obviously, Tone Diggs hosts it. Myself, Bubba Gumpino, our Canadian friend, and Michael Lombardi, former general manager in the NFL, uh, just a genius when it comes to football. We're all on it, and it's Monday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm 24 and 11 on this. What? I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody else that speaks into microphones on a regular basis that is anywhere near that. Mm -mm. And I'm not saying that it's like a skill by any means. I mean, yesterday the Cardinals double digit win. Yeah. I had a feeling that just slapped me in the face and I was like, well, here we go. And I also talked to Ty about this earlier. I have this thing where if my gut says to do something, like I'm not smart enough to like say like, oh, let's think about the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's helped and it has hurt. Yesterday when that feeling just hit me that the card, in the middle of nowhere, you can actually see it hit me in the middle of the show. When it hit me that the Cardinals were going to win by double digits, I was like, yep, here we go. It's going to happen. So I'm riding a heater right now for whatever reason. And it is going to turn. But at 24 and 11, I'm feeling damn good. And if this pinky ring makes me even better somehow, oh. now we're talking. And I think that is what a pinky ring does. It makes you better at sports gambling immediately upon happening. Well, the nice thing about you is you're a confident human being. So when you're gut tells you to do something you're like oh my gut's right like when my gut tells me to do something I'm like oh you're a fucking idiot that's never gonna happen <laughs> oh so you're fading your gut yeah normally yeah. throughout your entire life yeah, wow. 100%. that's why gut. you are a gut gambler and i'm more of a numbers gambler because i don't trust myself at that all that is very true i've learned that in this gambling world because there's a lot more because sports gambling is coming much more prevalent in the sports world whether people like it or not like back in the day it was something you know wasn't allowed to be talked about on tv but now it's becoming legalized and a lot of people are doing it for fun and although there is some downside and there are people just like anything on earth can take it to an extreme and maybe potentially ruin the image of the entire get sports gambling is a lot of fun like it just makes sports so much better and i think everybody's realizing that including states as more and more become legalized and the business is obviously good for everybody but i think like whenever you talk about sports gambling everybody has these algorithms and these these theories and mm -hmm. they like do the math and i would assume that's what the sports books are doing because it makes no sense how accurate they are on a lot of different shit yeah. it's like how did they do that and if they're not time traveling how they do it i i don't even want to hear those things and that is problematic from what i've been told <laughs> i've been told that by the people that are professional gamblers that have these algorithms that the feel thing is only good for so long well i'm going to tell you 
Don't give a fuck. I'm in the middle of it right now, and I feel very good. At Boston Connor, the Patriots potentially dead. Whoa. Whoa. Slow down. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You, we can't get lost in every week. we got to move on to the Niners. But if we go two and four, it's going to be very difficult to be happy every single day. <laughs> well, here's the thing about the Patriots is now you have a new quarterback in the division. It is officially two a time wow. down oh, in oh, Miami. Oh. That news broke moments before we came live. Uh, the people, the fine folks at Sirius said that Adam Schefter broke that news first. Not 100% sure. I want to make sure I credit everybody that I saw talk about it. Every insider that talks about football had this news on their Twitter account. I don't know who had it one minute faster than anybody else, and I apologize for not having the utmost respect for the fucking insider game, but I want to thank all the insiders for getting this information because teams wouldn't have released this and mm-hmm. probably until next week. So mm-hmm. shout out to all the insiders, and I don't know which one to thank. I think it's Schefter, but not 100% sure. It is two a time. Yeah. Going into a bye week, coming off of two big wins, coming off Ryan Fitzmagic looking better than he's ever looked after dominating the New York Jets. They have a bye week. It is two a time. He had two passes in the fourth quarter late last weekend. One in the back of the end zone where he rolled out of the pocket, hit somebody on and out. Then another one over the middle. Tua is a guy that everybody's wondering, is he going to be a dude in the NFL? Those two passes look magical, but they were playing against the Jets' third and fourth string, and the Jets are already a second, third string team. <laughs> so you do the math, that's fourth, fifth string human beings or football players, probably first class human beings, but fourth or fifth string football players over there in New York. Will he be able to carry that on to become a guy? We all thought that there was a chance like week 11-ish that he would come on because that's when he hit a series of teams that aren't that great. Instead, I would assume in the building, I would assume Ryan Fitzmagic knew this as well. The thought was bye week, which is in the middle of the season damn near. Ryan, you get him here, and then Tua will take over. And maybe Ryan didn't know that, and maybe Tua didn't know that, but this feels like, since they're going into the bye week, that every checkbox that needed to be checked in their eyes uh, either in practice, in the building, and then maybe those two reps that he got in the game last week against the dying Jets. Every single checkbox was like, okay, if he checks all these boxes, if he's attentive in a meeting room, if he's doing well in practice, if he works his ass off behind closed doors, that we've all heard that he does, but if he does that, if he looks like he's still mobile and can move after a devastating hip injury just a year ago, if he can do all these things, we think bye week is the time. It, this was obviously a plan. So a lot of people are saying, uh, you're coming off two wins for Ryan Fitzmagic. Why would you do that? The AFC East is still mm-hmm. open. Oh, yeah. The Dolphins could make a play for it. And I would assume the Dolphins say, well, we had this plan all along. That It didn't matter what we were. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Kevin Costner on draft day, no matter what, oh, do nice. this. Yep. I wonder Ooh. if that's what they're doing. It sucks for Ryan Fitzmagic, which they could probably trade, by the way, right now to maybe a team we saw last night in the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe people are saying this. I'm not saying this. Maybe to the Cleveland Browns. Imagine Ooh. if he goes to that team. Uh, yep. Yep. Imagine if he went there. I think Dick was the one that said that. It would be an upgrade, yeah. And Diggs, by the way, wouldn't want that, by the way, no, because no, he's no. in the Pittsburgh Steelers AFC North, mm-hmm. but he does potentially hate Baker Mayfield trickle because he is a Steelers fan. So there's a lot of places Ryan Fitzmagic could potentially move to because he was playing great football, by the way, inspired football. And I think he's 37 years old or something like that, and he has a bunch of accolades that people have gone through. He's a legend, obviously. Mm-hmm. Still has a lot of football left. Still feels like he feels like he wants to play. I just think... The time to move to two is going to be an interesting one. Because if he goes out there and shits the bed for the next four, 
five games because he's a young guy. He's a rookie. You saw it happen with Joey Burrow. You saw it happen with Herbert here. It doesn't matter. When you're a rookie, there's a chance you could struggle. If you're a Dolphin, Kyle Van Noy, anybody else that are veteran that are winning these games and still in it, and then you guys are like, okay, now we have to go through the rookie stuff. I would be intrigued by that. I would be very intrigued to see how they'll handle it and be like, no, we're planning for the future with our guy, even though we're potentially still in it right now. But on the flip side, in a positive fashion, if he comes out and dominates, who gives a fuck? Yep. It's to his team. Keep it moving. Gumpy is from North Left Canada, diehard Dolphins fan. Are you pumped by this decision or not? As a Dolphins fan for 35 years, Pat, I can't say this very often. I am fucking excited. <laughs> okay, so you're pumped about go. this. Their schedule did change, though. Their bye week was supposed to be week 11. So this just pushed things up a bit. Okay, in week 11, they were going bye week and then into some bad teams. Now, yes. because they had to change the schedule because of COVID, which I completely forgot about, they got bye week and then they got Aaron Donald next week. Yikes. So, I mean, we are going to learn quickly about Tua here when he's going against this Rams defense. Jalen Ramsey's over there as well, by the way. Aaron Donald's in there. they got some other big-time players on that defense. This is going to be quite a test. This is going to be much different than the Jets team. They obviously know that. Now he has two weeks to prepare for him, and let's see how he does. But, boy, if you're on that team and you have a chance, it would be a tough pill to swallow to be like, okay, now we're going to roll the dice to see if he's got it or not. But if not now, then when, I guess, is the question. Well, that's what I was wondering. I mean, you just kind of alluded alluded to it, but like, what? How do those players think? Especially like when Van Noy came on and he's singing Fitz mm-hmm, Magic, yeah. and all those guys talk about how much they love and respect him. Like they wouldn't be privy to this decision, would they? Like no. they wouldn't know that. So. Well, maybe they would though. I don't know. It may be because he came on what after week three or whatever. Yeah, he came on after week three and he was like, "So it's cool." But all right, right now it's all about Fitz Magic or whatever. <laughs> so maybe I don't know. I, I would assume that the coaching staff and the organization. Yeah, they all had this idea and this plan of the bye week. Bye week gets moved up, two-game win streak. Did he do enough in those two plays and in practice to be like, yeah, let's pull the hot hand and let's put to it. It's not like he was playing like Mitchell Trubisky, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. You know what I mean? When they when they benched Mitchell Trubisky, who was an undefeated quarterback, undefeated, yeah. it wasn't like he was playing great football. And I'm not saying Ryan Fitzmagic is playing great football, but he's playing good football. Oh, yeah. football. Very good football. And it's like, nah. We got to keep it moving, dog. All right, we got to get to a break. We got Tom Pelissaro on the other side. I assume that he has some news for us on why this decision was made. It is alleged that Brian Flores said it's just time. I wish he would have said it's just to a time. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know that the company that was founded by Ray J mm-hmm. and celebrities like Snoop, Melissa El- Eldred, Etheridge. <laughs> It's not Eldridge. No, it's not. You're close, though. Etheridge, Brandy, J.R. Smith, Mike Tyson, Rich the Kid. Mm-hmm. The company that was founded by Ray J and liked by all those people is Raycon. Oh, okay. And Raycon is a company that has wireless earbuds that are the greatest wireless earbuds you can put in your ear hole. Mm-hmm. They're half the price of the overpriced headphones that wow. you see. You know, the designer headphones you hear about. Mm-hmm. Half the price of those, same boom booms. Same boom booms. Same boom booms. Same sound. Bluetooth pairing, seamless. Six hours of playtime, no problem. And there's no dangling wires or, or stems. It's just a nice noise isolating fit inside of your ear, no matter what your ear hole is, because it comes with different size ear hole plugs so that when it puts in your ear, it's perfect for your ear. That's what Raycon that. does. Love that. It's the greatest. They're E25. Everyday E25 earbuds are their best ones yet. They're very proud of them, and they should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, More boom booms. Compact design. 
comes in a in a case that can charge them four times too so you charge the case you see you don't charge them they come in the case cool designer you can get different designs of the case and the earbuds and everything like that they charge that and it is it's the greatest thing i've ever put in my i got weird eared i got weird sized ear holes mm -hmm. so normally when i put something in there they kick them out sure the Raycon Everyday E25 earbuds, because they come with different size things. You put one size in, uh, not for me. You put another size in, uh, not for me. Put the third size, it comes with like six options. Come put the third or fourth one in, it's like, oh, this is it. And bang, I get to experience earbuds like everybody else has gotten to experience earbuds for a long time. So I should thank Raycon for that experience that I never got to experience before. Don't have to worry about losing them anymore. Don't have to. Raycon actually has a 45-day free re return policy, so you can make sure they're the pair of wireless earbuds for you, which they will be. Right now, if you go to buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk, you'll get 15% off your order. That's buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, dot com forward slash sports talk. For 15% off your order, you will love the Raycon Everyday E25 earbuds, as much as everybody else. And you can get everybody. It's great for gifts. Oh, yeah. Because you can get different designs on there. Fun colors. It's awesome. Big shout out to Raycon. Shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Joining us is a man who's a national champion and a Super Bowl champion. Some call him the Crimson Chin. Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk. Aaron, Aaron James Hawk, how's it going, pal? Feels good to be on the other side of your Dallas Cowboys at this particular moment, pal. Hey, you know what? It always feels good to wake up in first place, and that's what they're doing <laughs> on Dallas. So. But I, there was a moment last night, Pat. There was a moment in the game where I had to sit there and think to myself, I might have to start to begin to be worried about my Dallas Cowboys victory. <laughs> but then I, all of a sudden I went online, I checked the standings, make sure I'm still – I confirm it. Okay, hey, good to go. We're still in first place, guys. Let's keep it moving. And before we get to Aaron here, which is, I assume, everybody on earth is excited to hear how this goes. There's people saying he wouldn't show up for this call. There's people saying he would be short of everything mm -hmm. like that. There is now messaging coming out of the locker room from the players through Jane Slater, who works at the NFL Network, that the players do not trust Michael McCarthy with their success, basically. We'll talk about that later. Uh, now, joining us is a man who is a Super Bowl champion. A man who's been at the top of the NFL for 13 years. A man who's won an MVP. A guy who's been playing football better than he's ever played football in the two-time MVP winner. A man who has been playing football better than he's ever played before. Like a fine wine, this handsome man is getting better and better and better. 4,000 touchdowns on the season. Handful of interceptions, just less than three. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah! Aaron, how's it going? I didn't think the, I didn't think it was going to go like that. What did you think it was going to be like, pal? You thought I was just going to dump on you? The internet's been doing that already. I don't need to do that to you. Well, I expect it from AJ, but maybe not from you. Um, let's talk about the game, shall we? Is there? Any situation, because this would happen to me. You have a bad game out of nowhere, can't explain why. For you, for the Green Bay Packers team, did you go into that game with a feeling that there could be problematic, or wasn't it until everything started to unravel in the game that you were like, oh, all right, we're in one of these games that happens during an NFL season? Yeah, I mean, I think, 
you don't really go in thinking it's going to be a rough one. I think it was more, uh, you know, they played good on defense. Our first two drives, I think, were um, an anomaly compared to the entire game. You know, we scored on both those drives, but it wasn't very efficient, I don't think. You know, as opposed to the first four games, we had a lot of off-schedule plays. There were not a lot of, you know, on-time throw opportunities. And I think that was due to a lot of the coverages and pressures they played and also the pass rush, you know, which was which was formidable. So they deserve credit for that. It's a good plan by uh, by Todd and their defense. They executed really well, and we obviously had a rough one on offense. Yeah, I guess it's up to – sorry, Pat. I'm zoomed in again. I can't see everything. Aaron, are you uh, – <laughs> when I watch you and Indomitian Sue play each other, it reminds me of the old throwback days when Brett Favre would, would be jawing back and forth with Warren Sapp. Is it a similar situation there? I'm not exactly sure what what Farvey and Sapp were talking about, but uh, it hasn't been cordial over the years between me and uh, Sue. You know, we've had some battles over the years. Uh, he, you know, I think I mentioned that he got, you know, frozen feet and didn't realize he was stepping on my calf. He also stomped on one of my teammates at one point. He's mm-hmm. been, you know, in my time, one of the most dominant uh, three techniques in the game for so many years. He's also played his his own way. You know, it's it's been his style that he's played since he got in the league. Um, you know, and, and that leads to some interesting conversations throughout the years. Yeah, let's talk about those interesting conversations because I am no master lip reader, but there was uh, they were zoomed in on your face the entire game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch back the TV copy. You need to know that every facial expression you make throughout the game is being documented at about this particular closeness right and they were trying to catch what you and sue were saying to each other does it start out as like hey good to see you again and then as the game went on it got worse and worse or is that immediate like hey oh it's great it's you again is that the entire conversation with old and and sue uh, well i mean look it's i don't think it's a it doesn't start off as super cordial and goes the other way i think most of the time it maybe goes the other way it starts a little hostile and then might uh, ease up as the game goes on uh, not always the case. I mean, there's been some. Uh, I remember, you know, 2014 we were playing them. Uh, that's when the, the last game of the year was who was going to be the two seed and who was going to be the five seed. I think it was. We were playing them at home. I messed my calf up in the second quarter. Came back and we beat them. At the two minute warning, there was uh, some back and forth. That was some of the all time trash talk. I mean, it was some of the craziest, maybe scariest. Uh, most interesting, uh, you know, two-minute warning conversation that I've uh, been privy to. Um, and that's just kind of how it's been over the years. I mean, you know, we've had obviously great rivalries with the Chicago Bears, you know, the Vikings, and the Lions during my time. Um, I would say compared to the other two, it's been maybe a little more hostile against uh, the Lions, and, and Sue was, you know, part of many of those teams. Mm-hmm. Hey, is huh. – if you're thinking of the scariest player to face, I, I would I think you may be thinking the same guy I am. Is Kyle Vandenbosch the scariest guy you could ever face <laughs> when you look across that line? And is there any good stories you have from maybe him threatening to kill some of our te- old teammates? Bro, those red contacts. I went out on the captain thing against him and uh, shake the hands. Oh, my God. I, I completely forgot about that human's existence. Did, they, did you shit your pants to Vandenbosch on a regular <laughs> basis with Indomitian Sue down in the three technique as well? No, I didn't have any uh, any brown spots on the pants. Smart. <laughs> uh, That's why you're you. What I, you know, just starting off with, with Kyle, I, I, 
I was always amazed that him and Chad Clifton had some sort of like good relationship. I don't know what Cliffy did to get in his good graces. Maybe they both had some sort of Nashville, Tennessee connection. But for whatever reason, they were always friendly. And and Cliffy, you know, would always kind of play the game, trying to be nice, nice, buddy, buddy with the, you know, some of the uh, the rushers. But him and Kyle, for some reason, had like this, you know, really good uh, thing going on. I do, yeah, I do remember. Uh, you know, we were running a fox protection which is just like a basic seven-man protection we were sliding the line i believe it was to the uh to the right on this play and i think it was Corey hall was our fullback at the time was coming through and vanabosch was on a uh, on a te stun he looped around from outside his end to the to the a gap where Corey was and he never saw Corey. and Corey had kind of a same foot same shoulder and knocked him down and then i remember watching the playback and kyle after that happened didn't care about what was going on in the play. He literally chased down Corey to tell him, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it was pretty amazing. I remember him getting mad uh, at an offsides we had in like uh, probably 2009 or 10. You know, got him offsides, and I remember him yelling that it wasn't him. It was Sue, actually, that, you know. <laughs> You know, the penalty shouldn't have been on him. He had that, you know, really interesting game voice that was kind of like uh, Christian Bale's Batman. <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey bats. <laughs> yes, and then the red the red contacts. And, you know, to his credit, he made a living in the league being that extra effort hustle guy. You would see him, I remember watching film, and you'd see him 30 yards down the field chasing guys down. You know, it was looking like kind of like Larson in in happy Gilmore at times with his running style but he was you know it, it was he was super athletic guy and a tough rusher for a long time and also you know definitely definitely a guy like tom crabtree if there was a zombie apocalypse you could choose like some current or former players you played with or against he's probably one of those guys you'd want you know on your side yeah hey man tom crabtree by the way his scott Stapp impersonations at this point are next level i would recommend following him on the internet um you always have a good relationship with people it feels like and whether it's people respecting you and i think I realized that most whenever you gave your ultimate suck it quote a couple weeks ago on this show, you had people from the NBA, the basketball world that were like, Aaron Rodgers is that dude. Like, I think you have been a guy that have captivated a lot of athletes like, hey, that's the dude up there. Like, that's a guy we uh, appreciate. So now that the younger generation is in the NFL, you see a lot of cordial interactions between you and players. And I would assume a lot of players are like, hey, man, big fan. I'm assuming that people would say that's you on the field and you laugh or whatever. So seeing you and Dominic and Sue still get into it in 2020, I think was a big storyline on the air. It's like, yo, this guy gets along with everybody. Have you guys ever seen each other off the field? Is it just strictly on the field where there's a awkwardness amongst each other? And have you ever run into each other off the field? They haven't run into each other off the field. You know, I know that he's done uh, a bunch of investing with Warren Buffett, I believe. Yeah, who eats McDonald's <laughs> every morning, by the way. Warren really? Buffett. Yeah. Warren Buffett, the same sandwich every morning. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a sausage McMuffin, I believe, is his go to yeah. business now in twenty twenty America, um, <laughs> which is another whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. could get um, into it if you'd like. You know, you know. To be honest, I'll give you this a little tidbit. After that back and forth, right? You know, the end of the first half, there was a little conversation in the third quarter, and this is where I say sometimes it goes to more slightly more cordial after it's hostile. I was under the impression that we were going to have a conversation after the game. Uh. It was one of those, hey, you're old, I'm old, let's, you know, let's talk some things out. Uh, I don't know if he ran off the field after the game or whatnot. I didn't see him after the game. 
the, you know, through mutual friends, I've, I've heard that, uh, you know, there's been talk about, uh, you know, talking business at some point. Obviously, he has some acumen based on his relationship with Warren. I mean, he must. Um, but we haven't uh, had those conversations. On the field, I would say it's still uh, a little contentious. So what was the conversation there? Whenever you, Were you setting up a date after the game to see each other? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if, if – there might have been some loss in translation, whether or not he was talking about the, you know, see at the bus conversation. Oh. I thought it, it seemed more like, hey, uh, let's have a little, you know, come to Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe it was – maybe he was thinking a see at the bus, or maybe he was thinking uh, come to Jesus. Maybe I was thinking see at the bus. And that's what he thought, or maybe I was so, thinking. Oh man, this is awesome! It was a lost in translation for sure. I was looking for that conversation. I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't think it was going to, you know, like, look, I'm not going to fight in Navi too. For me, I'm, I'm fully aware of that. But uh, after all these years playing together, I just, you know, we've never had that conversation off the field. I think it'd be interesting. I think he's an interesting guy um, on the field. I can't say I'm a huge fan, but, oh, but come back on the field. Uh, that's just because we battled for so many years and there's been some interesting moments. Yeah. Wait, so what okay, t- can you walk me through that? What does that what does that sound like when you talk during a game like hey man, let's meet let's hash this thing out. Let's have a little therapy session together which it seems like he took as okay, I'm going to be waiting outside your locker room to fight, but they must have <laughs> pulled him away due to COVID protocols. How do you have you ever done that with any other player before? And that's where, you know, it's like a text message sometimes. You, you can't uh, you can't necessarily always infer, you know, tone and, uh, you know, <laughs> body language and everything. So basically he said, don't be scared. And I said something back to him. And then and then I said something to the effect of, you and I need to have a conversation or something. And then he said something like, all right, see you after the game. And I said, all right. And he said, and but the tone and the inference we don't know i couldn't quite tell if i was thinking hey let's just i don't have to dap it up necessarily but let's say let's just have a three-minute conversation you say your piece i'm gonna say my piece and then you just fucking move on you know (laughs) but i mean obviously i didn't and i don't think he realistically thought i was saying hey let's uh Let's throw down. Oh, man. Could you imagine if you look at him and go, I'll see you after the game. And he's like, really? (laughs) Ask your calf how that's going to end up for your face. (laughs) Like, I wish he would have said that. Uh, Let's talk about the game a little bit, though. Um, The first pick you had to Devontae there, uh, pick six, the first one you've had in like maybe 45 years of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. As soon as that leaves your hand, do you know? Because, I mean, that thing was – what, you're off by like this much, pick six. If not, reception, first down, completely different game at that point. As soon as that leaves your hand, do you know? Yeah. <laughs> right when I, I've been about halfway there. I was realizing that I missed my spot by about a foot, and I was hoping he would he would drop it. Um, it says poor connection. You guys still got me? Yeah, you look amazing still. I mean, it's probably on uh, our side, if I had to guess. But you look it's great. Be I got all the bars here. We're good to go. Well, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, but I've had three, three of those pick sixes in my life. Two in Tampa. So, Ooh, huh? What is it? I don't know. Probably that turf. Ooh. Oh yeah, let's blame the turf. I like that. The grass is bad, so the ball is a foot behind. Like that's just the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, I just you know it's it's unfortunate, one of those unfortunate coincidences. But uh, hey, look, you know the kid after the game said Devontae motion from the field to the boundary. He runs outbreakers all game. So you know that's something we just obviously got to do a better job of uh, self scouting. Obviously that third and he was third and ten, third and nine that situation. Uh, you know, sometimes there's better things than there's, there's wor- a lot worse things than letting the you know the Pat McAfee's and the understudies of of the legend that you are come out and punt the ball away. And, oh yeah, thank you. You know, end with a kick, right? Yeah, end with a kick. Always want an extra point, field goal, or punt. That's smart football, and that's how you make it in the NFL. Yep. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> hey, Aaron. Hey, how weird is it that? Um, Every DB you play against, I mean, everyone is going to be younger now. You've been doing it for so long that it legit makes their whole life if they get a pick off you, let alone a pick six. Frame it. It's a compliment, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, there haven't – I've been playing a long time. There hasn't been, you know, a ton of those uh, opportunities. I understand, you know, it's a little different picking off a, you know, Brady or Breeze or Roethlisberger. You know, some of the guys have been doing it for a long, long time. Uh, I haven't thrown a lot of, you know, clean ones, you know, mm. where it's just guy makes a good play and picks the ball off over the last few years. You know, it's been a lot of deflections, stuff like that. So that was the first one in a while that was just like, you know, really good play by him, good, uh, good break on the ball, and the ball was obviously, you know, inside about a, you know, a foot of where it needed to be. Two feet would have been for sure probably an incompletion. A foot might have been a 50-50 catch. Um, and that's the you know that's the beauty and the frustration sometimes in the league is it all comes down to a matter of uh, a few inches sometimes. Uh, the next one was a deflection, uh, which is what you just alluded to, by the way, with a clean pick. You don't have a lot of those. Devontae got broken up. Great play, by the way. People are saying potentially pass interference, but that's not talked about. But it was a great play. It gets picked off. Then I heard the commentators. I forget, Was it Joe and Troy? I forget who yeah. it was. Yeah. Joe and Troy said, when you're a quarterback and that happens, you can be off a little bit. And, and like maybe you're kind of gun shy or trying to force it a little bit. Does that happen naturally for anybody that's quarterback? Or do you think that it was just the pressure and everything else that potentially changed the way you were throwing the rest of the game? No, oh, no, I think I don't think it had anything to do with that. I mean, I've been around a long time and played a lot of football. Like that kind of stuff doesn't affect you. We were definitely more affected by the pressure and the rush, and the fact that we just didn't, uh, you know, we didn't throw and catch it well and, and get open and, and move the sticks uh, consistently enough. With the next drive, you know, I had a chance to Mercedes down the middle and missed him by about you know four inches on about a thirty-yard play, and we were just that's the thing. I, I was off. We were just a little bit off. You know the entire day. Credit, you know, is 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 due to them, kind of disrupting some of the stuff that we want to do. But we talk about it a lot. You know, our biggest opponent often is ourselves, and and just doing the little things. We had a lot of uh, correctable uh, mistakes in the game, um, but that's the difference between you know a blowout and a and a tight game as a good opponent. You know, I spotted them fourteen points after being ahead ten nothing. And then we did nothing. The next drive, we had a chance for a big play to get back in the game. Missed it. Next thing you know, they scored a couple touchdowns, and you're down by you know two scores, three scores, and then obviously four scores when you don't really put anything together. And that was kind of our day uh, on Sunday. But I, I, I truly believe it was it was more of an anomaly than a some sort of trend. I mean, we've been so consistent on offense the first four weeks, and still you look at where we're at after five games. We're four and one. We've only turned the ball over twice in five games. Woo! Let him know. Let him know, Aaron. 
No, I mean, I'm just, you know, Pat, I'm, my, my trend on this show is just spitting the facts. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Do you think, okay, and I did question this on the internet, do you think the football gods potentially, okay, and I'm not saying definitely, I'm just saying potentially here, do you think it was the three pumps that potentially got you into mm. deep shit with the football gods, Aaron? Did you think about Hingle McCringleberry potentially coming back and biting you in the ass whenever you're stroking it you know you ever think yeah, about that I, I think that's the wrong way to go pat i think you cannot associate that those two things together when you start doing that you question every single celebration in your life you of all people a man who is celebrated as much as anybody at your position <laughs> Bingo. you must realize whether necessary or unnecessary the celebrations have no correlation um mm -hmm. In that sense, now there has I'm been just a couple. Saying what guys people were saying, mm -hmm. people were saying it wasn't me. Yeah, I, I think when you mock somebody else's celebration, all celebration laws and rules are off because okay. there's been guys who have mocked celebrations and gotten hurt in the process. I think it's you know that's something you maybe don't want to do. I was definitely not mocking okay. uh, McCringleberry at all. It was an ode of love mm -hmm. and. The sad part about it is addressing that rule, which makes no sense to me. <laughs> like, I understand the giving yourself up part in the field of play. But as I'm going to the end zone, 0% of me is giving myself up. Now, if that is the case, then am I not a protected player at that point? Again, not a penalty that I want. I do not want a protected penalty. Like, I'm not an advocate for that rule. But you can't have it both ways, right? Mm. You can't have it, I'm giving myself up, but then also uh, I'm an, uh, a non-protected player at that point. Yeah, you took a I big shot. You took a big shot yeah. in that. Yes. Yeah. You know who that was from, right? Who? Winfield Jr. Oh, wow. I had a fun conversation with him. I, I mean, I, he's a he seems like a really great kid, and I enjoy watching him play. And uh, I went over and tapped him on the helmet and said, like your dad. Was a, definitely in my answer. Played the game the right way. He was a little dude who packed a punch, and he was athletic enough to play it out, uh, as an outside corner and an incredible nickel. And yeah, that's who, who kind of gave me that rib shot, which my you know, still a little sore today. But uh, but that was I was pretty bummed out when they we had to go back on the field. I'm happy for Jonesy and all fantasy owners who had Aaron Jones. <laughs> Smart. That's very nice of you to think like that. A lot of people would say what? you'd be too selfish to think like that. Sidebar, what um, what glass of... Uh, Great question. Or plastic. Yeah. You know, I don't care about the oceans, but what... what um, bro, I'm not using a straw, bro. Keep the fucking turtles of out of my life, dude. Today? What's that? What number, green tea? what number green tea is that for you? So today? this is number two, but I'm happy you mentioned it because I got a scotch glass here. I saw your hey, interview... What's that? Who went out and got that for you? That's the real question. Oh, it gets delivered here. Come on, it's 2020, bro. Have a little respect for fucking DoorDash. <laughs> Anyways, no free ads. That day saved my life. You said in the interview that you would add an extra finger to your scotch drink or whatever. And I'm not privy to the scotch drinkers. A finger is just what? Just one finger this way or this way? Yeah, like this, bro. Or this. So what do you normally do? Three? Yeah, I mean, like, two or three is, is pretty good. So did you do four on Sunday? You did a full fucking glass? Bro, we got home way too late, man. It was it was a long night. We didn't get home. I didn't get home till like, 11.40. By that time, I was ready for bed, so. Look at how much scotch that is. Is that what you did? <laughs> Jeez. 
it's not that much. That's four fingers, dude. You said you normally do three. That's four right there. But you have those fat sausages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I am Irish, by the way. I do have fat fingers. I mean, hey, Aaron, so are you telling us here on the show that you did the three pumps celebration to shed light on a rule that you feel like should be changed? No, I didn't obviously know about the rule change when I was doing it. I'd say that the most, uh, the biggest crisis of conscience that I had during the game was after I ran it in, I didn't realize that a couple of my teammates felt like the shot was un- unnecessary from from Winfield. And so I looked over and I was ready to do the, the three pumps and nobody was around me. But then I looked to my left and my brother, Tim Boyle, my backup, was running down there to play the referee. And so I said, I'm going to go for it. Even though no one else is around me, I'm just going to go for it. Tim's here. Um, so I just battled through, you know, the pain in my ribs just to, just to give some, some joy to the, to the world. Hey, I noticed Boyle coming down there. I realized later he was coming down to be the referee. Shouldn't that have been a penalty? You can't leave the bench to come down and celebrate with you. It was happening last night, by the way. Patrick Peterson ran 65 yards into oh, the end zone to celebrate. If this is something the NFL is letting up on, I'm a big fan of, by the way. Because as a punter, I would have been sprinting down the sideline with people celebrating touchdowns. Well, look, I, I believe that the rule is if you're in uniform, you can. If you're not in uniform, you're not supposed to. Because there was some video that the league sent out about the celebration rule that we talked to the referees about before the year, and I believe that was a point of emphasis. Who knows? There was also a point of emphasis about illegal contact, and if you watched the game last night, the Cowboy game, I'm not sure how that uh, pick, uh, that interception by Dre uh, is not uh, illegal contact. It seemed like that's kind of the rule. The whole world is talking about you saying that your team needed a kick in the ass. I mean, that is the big hot button topic of your press conference. The world is talking about that. The world, the world yeah. is talking about it. I mean, it was literally Aaron Rodgers said that the team needed a kick in the ass. Does Aaron Rodgers not think he should look in the mirror and maybe kick his own ass? A lot of people are saying out there, obviously. The people are waiting for you to have a bad game. And you know who the people were. The people that you have addressed on this show, they were waiting for you to have a bad game. But the team needed a kick in the ass. Do you just think everybody was getting kind of too comfortable and had to bye week and had a chance to soak it in hey we're very very good is that what you meant by that i mean i think we all need that a little bit when the complacency starts starts to sink in and you start kind of feeling yourself a little bit it's always good to to kind of get knocked down a little bit and and look it happens i mean i like to to deny that it happens is is to deny the reality of uh, dealing with success i mean we all deal with it from from some level yourself too you got to be careful you and the boys you know when you start climbing too high you got to remember what it took to get to that point and i feel like we just you know we came into the season not an unknown but not many people talking about us even though we were 13-3 in an fc championship then we went four games pretty convincingly and people are like they're the best team in the nfl well you got to play like it every week if you want to be the best team in the nfl myself and our squad didn't and i think it, it can be a good thing i'm not saying look nobody wants to lose the fucking you know figure things out but you also can find ways to positively move forward from uh, uh, difficult situations we got our butts kicked you know i think it's it's something that we can learn from people want to you know 
take anything you say and you know then those people can make a win-win out of just about just about anything that can fit a narrative that's fine but look I, I stand by the things that I say and I feel like that we can use this as a positive and, and a reminder when we start climbing that hill again that you know it consistency uh, is the most important thing and great teams have consistent habits and so we got to keep doing the things that got us to 4-0 uh, in order to get back to where we want to be here here huh yeah. here here yeah. Yeah. Atta boy Aaron yeah, yeah. Hey, Aaron going on man yep <laughs> ty what do you got uh aaron bakhtiari went down on sunday i'm not sure if you've heard anything about his condition but if he does end up missing uh, an extended period of time is there any way to replace him on the line um yeah you'd replace him with somebody else there ty <laughs> next man up figure it out what? ty we got our butts uh, kicked. That was such a media question from you. I want you protected, pal. I'm tired of seeing you taking the shins. I was worried, you know, Indomitian Sue is going to step on your neck on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I was I was proud of Rick. You know, Rick has played a number of positions for us now. Um, obviously, both tackles. He's, you know, worked at times at guard. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy who's been a pro for a long time. Obviously, it was... Uh, you know, a tough. You never want to see your all pro left tackle go down, but a lot of people, nobody's feeling sorry for it. I mean, look at around the league, there's a ton of injuries. You know, various teams are really dealing with it, maybe even more than other teams, but that's kind of been one of the trends from, from this season so far is, you know, a lot of major guys have gone down with injuries, and you just got to find a way to, to keep competing, and, and there's, there's not going to be any excuses or people feeling bad for you. Um, if, you, if you're not winning. So we're going to have to, you know, find a way to to still be efficient. We've done it in, in years past. Uh, you know, we've we played a game with a center and four guards before on the offensive line, two of those guards obviously playing tackle. Um, so we've, we've been able to find a way over the years. And if Dave can't go, then, you know, we'll uh, make sure Rick feels as comfortable as possible and uh, find a way to get it done. What did Takatari went out of the game with what what uh, was listed as an upper body? That's all what? they told us. What's his name? What's his name, AJ? <laughs> Justin Takatari. <laughs> <laughs> it goes back a long way. But yeah, just back. upper body, right, Aaron? When he Ty wanted you to comment on injury, I figured you you were going to say he's got an upper body. Yeah. Uh, I did laugh when I I saw like chest or upper body. Um, you know, it is interesting how injuries are you know, talked about and reported. I laugh from time to time when the NFL talks about, you know, gambling policies. Obviously, there's some sort of association with many of the sites, but the whole reason for, um, you know, an injury report, I would assume, is so lines can be set. I mean, Pat, you'd probably be able to tell me if that was not the not the case or not. No, it's definitely it, yeah. You know, there's been different coaches over the years who've handled uh, the injury reports, Uh you know, with uh, maybe more detail or less detail, depending on what team they've been on. Um, I'm not sure what Dave's status is. I haven't seen him since the plane. He, you know, was definitely dealing with some discomfort. But if I know Dave, he's going to do everything he can to get out there and play. Mm-hmm. Um, we've joked with him about times about not having the best pop-up game in the business, you know, where you kind of get 
popped and maybe hang on the ground for a little bit. I'm not saying I have the best pop-up game either. I feel like at times it's really good. At times, you know, I kind of take a little break on the ground. Um, it reminds me of a great story of uh, one of my all-time favorite teammates, Johnny Jolly, who during a drive one time was was kind of on the ground and and you know it was injury timeout and the guys went out there and the trainers go, man, what's going on? Are you okay? He's like. Oh, I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think uh, I think Dave I think Dave will be uh, will do everything he can to try and play this week. Uh, Lafleur, I feel like you and Lafleur have a much different relationship than you and uh, Big Mike had. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch the games last night. Big Mike is entrenched in battle right now with everybody. There's quotes coming out from the locker room that he's not prepared and they don't trust him and blah 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 all this stuff. Would it be difficult to go from LaFleur to Mike McCarthy? Like the Dallas Cowboys are going from Jason Garrett, who seems to be the clapper, upbeat all the time, to Mike McCarthy. If you had to talk, not that you want to speak on their situation because you're not in the locker room, but if you had to go from like LaFleur to McCarthy, do you think that would have been a difficult transition or no? Look, I don't know. I mean, every every coach has their personality. I think at the core, there's a lot of similarities between, uh, uh, you know, between coaches. I think... You never want to 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 hear the inside sources, or if somebody from the inside, or somebody going on, not not going on the record. These anonymous quotes, or whatever. You don't ever want any of those things. Uh, as far as I know, what the facts are today, they're in first place in the division. First place in any division, regardless of your record, assures you a home playoff game. Yeah, we won the division in 2013 at eight, seven, and one. Had to win our last one to get a home playoff game. So, you know, that division obviously has been been a little down this year with I think Philly's what one four and one and the other two teams are one and five. Um, you know, but they still have a lot of games against each other. The long season, obviously losing Dak doesn't you know doesn't help because he was off to one of the greatest starts in history as far as like the amount of yards he was passing for and the efficiency. Um, you know, that tragic injury, but um, Mike is, he knows how to deal with uh, any type of adversity. You know, we went through uh, you know, ups and downs at the time, mostly ups in Green Bay. But uh, but I know Mike knows how to steer those difficult situations. But it doesn't matter who you are, whether it's, you know, somebody talking about a player or a coach. Like, you never want those unnamed sources to come out. The, you know, that anonymous stuff, I think that's, that's some chicken shit. Yeah, it is rat. Hey, don't be a rat, okay? Let's keep these things internally. And in the report, Jane Slater said, initially the players thought they would keep it internally, but now things are starting to seep out. It's like, oh, very nice of them for six weeks to decide not to bury their coach publicly. That's a very interesting world to have. All those anonymous, you can get away with saying whatever, whenever, however nowadays. It's wild. It's a wild time to be alive, Aaron. It's a wild time to be alive. Six weeks. I mean, that's just that's just a culture we've talked about on this show about overreactions. You know, you're six games in. Um, and and you're just one game without your you know starting quarterback. So you know it takes time to to find your identity in any season. You're not going to necessarily find it in six games, whether you're six and zero or you know one and five or two and four like they are. So and you got to on some level you got to trust the process and give it time to work itself out. Now last year we had to trust the process. You know our first six we were five and one, but is different you know things are different schedules are different uh messaging is different and you just have to embrace the changes and be comfortable in things that make you feel uncomfortable based on your past and a lot of look the other part is 
half the locker room, maybe more in the locker room. It's the first time doing it. So, you know, they don't know anything different. This is just the NFL to them. You know, they haven't been around other coaches or styles. They have in college. But I think you just have to embrace uh, the culture. And and that's where the leadership on the, on every team, you know, has the opportunity to, to, to lead from the front. And, I, you know, I would guess that this week there will be comments from the leaders that, you know, that clearly – talk about the feel of the team just like for us you know coming back from a, a, a difficult loss you know it's it's important for us to messaging to uh like mike used to always say listen to your language you know how are you talking about yourself your team your situation your culture because that that's going to talk about the character of the football team and i look forward to hearing you know from our guys and and staying positive and, and realistic about where we're at and where we're going Golly, that's a good answer there. Hey, that was a really good answer. Wow. And by the way, you keep up with everything. Huh? You know everybody's fucking record at this point. That's wild. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even know who we were playing normally. Whenever weeks we like Wednesday or Thursday, I didn't even know who we were playing. I'm like, I'm just got to kick the ball. Good. I don't know what, Pat. I don't know what you would do on a normal day. I know you don't have meetings and stuff for the most part. I'm not saying them with all due respect. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> but you know, you're a, also a very cultured, you know, man of the people. You got your chain going on. You, Thank you. Pinky you know, ring, by the way. A frequent V-neck wearer. I'm sure you had, you know, what, are you, what is that? You're married now? Yeah. No, and, that's this one here, Aaron. See, when you okay, get married, you, it's on the left ring finger. The This is a pinky ring, Aaron. Because pinky I, ring, yeah. 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 But, yeah. you know, you had other things going on. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you had... You know, important things that, you know, games you were playing, video games probably at times. Cornhole. Cornhole, yeah. You had. I'm a sniper. Like you, uh, no, like Patrick Mahomes. Hold on. Before AJ's question, I have this question. Why don't you think you've done enough for State Farm that they could give you a fucking Rogers rate at this on. point? Don't you think that you should, you deserve some sort of Rogers rate <laughs> at this point for everything you've done for State Farm? That would be nice. I, I mean, it's, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. <laughs> I. I have a lot of love for that company, and I'm just glad I haven't been completely phased out. It does feel like that's potentially happened and done that. <laughs> Do you mind if you take a phone call real quick before we let you go? Yeah, sure, man. Hey, thank you for hanging out today, by the way. People on the internet were tweeting me. By the way, I feel like I got a chance to experience life as Aaron Rodgers on the internet uh, because whenever you uh, do what Sunday happens, the amount of tweets I got as if I was Aaron Rodgers was just unbelievable. They're like, oh, how do you feel now, fucking McAfee, about Aaron Rodgers Tuesday? It's like, well, I'm actually excited to talk to him because I think this is going to be a cool conversation to have about how exactly what you said. Sometimes you lose. You just got to move on. Let's go to Frank in Virginia Beach. Frank, what's going on? Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me. Hey, Aaron. How you doing? Hey, Frank. That was nice. Hey, so I have a uh, non-football-related question. Uh, so... I know you were an extra in uh, Game of Thrones season eight. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion on how you think the show ended, and if you read the Game of Thrones books or not. Great question. This show will never talk about this again. So let's give a good answer here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't read the books, which I think in some people's uh, minds, you know, cancels me from my ability to freely uh, speak my opinion on the subject, but. Being a big fan of the show uh, and and a lover of 
it for many seasons. I think many of us were disappointed mm-hmm. and confused by the ending. Yeah. How, spoiler alert, you know, we got to the end and someone who never wanted to be called Bran, mm-hmm. he was a three-eyed raven, mm-hmm. now not only takes his namesake, but his control of the world now. It's weird. Uh, and then other characters that you really love and appreciate and pull for either die in the you know last few episodes, Snow, like Jorah, or mm-hmm. have like weird endings, like the Red Woman. What is her role in the entire thing? I'm sure maybe oh, yeah. you know, spells it out in the books <laughs> or not. But what happened to John Snow as well? Oh, yeah, He's just kind of kicked in the dick nonstop. <laughs> just, you know, doesn't yeah. get a chance to do anything, and then he you know in essence saves somehow the realm from the mad queen and now he gets banished without his lover and real life wife uh you know he's back with the wildings um and then you know the unsullied you know are gonna just let somebody kill their queen and just sail off on their own that won't happen (laughs) that's not not their character so many storylines to me just didn't make a lot of sense i i've said it i said it earlier i would have loved if it would have just been, hey, you know, uh, Xerxes wins. Okay, cool. That's the most throne things ever, you know. Or Tyrion gets the throne. I mean, that would have been cool. super ironically apropos, I think. But oh, wow. Jesus. the way it ended, I just feel like it left a lot to be desired. Amen. Which one were you? Do you know which one you were yet? We, the highly unathletic one, run it, ducking. I've talked about this way too many times. What, you still have yet to give us an answer, though. Which one were you? Because it was when the dragon, right? The big fucking dragon was blowing all the, guy the thing. Running, the guy running duck-footed, heel first, with his arms slaying <laughs> all about. Yeah, no cakes. Weak jaw. Turned into the alley. Was that you? I think that guy's uh, related to AJ somehow. <laughs> oh, 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 shit! Hey, I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't watch the show, but I know when you were on there, the clip started going viral. It was like, or it was on the internet. I remember I texted you right away. Like, I, this, this is unbelievable. This isn't me. You got to be kidding me. You really didn't think that was me, did you? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's you, man. That's your character. Kid does look like you. What, where were you? What did you do? I was in a scene in King's Landing where Arya comes down the stairs. She's leaving after the hound tells her to get out of town. You don't need Which all that. And doesn't make any sense when he's <laughs> within Listen. a sword length of Xerxes, damn near. And yeah. they let Cersei have a, you know, death with Jamie and all that. I mean, I, the whole thing is strange. And then what changes when she can have the whole world and yeah. she just loses it? Now, everybody's like, oh, well, if you read the book, yeah, who cares? she was going I mean, crazy earlier. Aaron, it's hard to say that I care. And I, I mean, just tell us where you were in the fucking episode. Will you please? I, mean, I told you, I'm in the tunnels. When Arya is coming down there. And you have no light? I have a partial face shot. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want, this is the last question I have because we have got to this. Um, You do great acting in those State Farm commercials. I mean, you you legitimately do. You do great acting. Will you be an actor one day? Will you be in movies? Like Peyton, by the way, can get any commercial he wants right now. He can probably get in any movie he wants. And I believe you and he are at the top whenever it comes to quarterback chops, whenever that whole thing. Will you get into acting one day or producing movies or anything like that? Well, I thought about that a lot, you know, and there's, there's so many, uh, you know, kind of second career actors who I'd love to model my, you know, my acting career after, um, Jesse Ventura comes to mind, you know, he's a predator 
um, really, really good role in that. Uh, you know, and then he was, you know, governor as well. So there's, you know, there's guys like that who really, you know, really kind of figured it out, uh, you know, later in life, just that they had this gift that they just got to share with the, you know, with the entire world. I'd love to be, if there's like an Expendables 4, I feel like that's, yes. oh yeah, that I could kind of get started in to kind of get my, you know, get my, my first kind of acting chops, you know, when you're working alongside guys like Sly and Chuck Norris and Dolph Lundgren, oh. you know, what better, what better actors to learn from? You and can't then this keep up with environment, those guys. I'm sure that's created on those oh. sets. Um, you know, Bruce Willis, Chet Lee, oh. uh, John Claude Van Damme, uh, Rampage Jackson. There it is. Yeah. Rampage. I believe Antonio Banderas was in the Yeah, yeah. Have a cubes in it. Yeah. I mean, just, you're talking about the nostalgia of like three decades of action movies coming together. I think that could be a good start for me. I can't wait for the headlines tomorrow to be that Aaron Rodgers, after losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is able to have a conversation about Game of Thrones and fucking whatever movie you just talked about right there. <laughs> Expendables. This is going to be the takeaway. I appreciate you. you. Expect? I mean, what'd you expect, Pat? What'd you expect? Me or from the media people? Yeah. You put on your media hat. What'd you expect? Oh. Well... Aaron Rodgers, is he going to make an appearance on the Pat McAfee Show on Tuesday? Normally a jovial conversation about football and life with Aaron after having struggles on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Will he be as open with conversation with Pat and the boys? That is TBD. Then he comes on the show, has a good conversation. Aaron Rodgers doesn't care about losing on Sunday to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's what, in my head, I would assume that is what a lot of people... And that's what I'm saying about the win-win, bro. That's why he just... You don't need to fight it, man. All right. Just just keep speaking your mind, man. All right. Well, win this weekend, will you? Okay. All right. <laughs> Good luck. I appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, the man. And by the way, I don't know if you know this. Last year, you guys lost after the bye week. I believe it was like 28-7 or something. And then you just won on a, an absolute terror. I would assume you remember that because you know everybody's record at this point in the entire NFL. So uh, I'm excited to watch you kind of – I'm excited to watch the absolute – Firestorm that's coming from Aaron Rodgers here. I think it was like thirty-eight to eight or something like that. It might have been twenty-eight to seven, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a rough one, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, Thank you buddy. Love you. Appreciate you, man. Joining us now is a man who is a two-time. Two-time Super Bowl champion and one of the greatest fitness coaches in the history of Guy Rogers, ladies Gee and Raj. gentlemen, Ike Taylor. Yeah, oh, big oh, you're sideways, Ike. Big Mac, baby. Hey, how are you? How's life? The Pittsburgh Steelers look damn dominant right now. That's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, Pittsburgh looking good right now, bro. They uh, they defense is playing like the defense of old. They offense. If I'm Big Ben, man, I got. So many cars in my garage from Ford trucks to Bugattis to Ferraris. Like, I got everything at my disposal. So, yeah, man, Pittsburgh looking good as a team right now. You know, once that weather get cold, that's when the dogs really come out. So, <laughs> Pittsburgh guys, they built for that cold weather. So, this one, football really starts in my mind. <laughs> 
Let's talk about uh, one of the dogs that has shown up who is definitely built for cold weather because he comes from uh, Siberia, basically, <laughs> up there in Canada. Mapletron, right. Chase Claypool. This dude, the comparisons to Calvin Johnson you thought would never, ever come again because Calvin Johnson was like an anomaly. Mapletron seems like he is potentially the next Calvin Johnson. He's got wiggle, too. He can go and get it. He's got swag. He's got wiggle. I'm a big Chase Claypool guy, not only because he said he loved coming on the show, but because watching him play football is electrifying at this point, and he's only a rookie. He doesn't even know what he doesn't know yet. So you play football, so you already know. Um, you already know who's good coming into training camp. And when I saw a statement by Joe Hayden in training camp, when he said Chase Claypool is going to be hell for a lot of other teams, I'm like, man, I'm talking. I'm, I'm, this is coming from a veteran corner who shuts pretty much everybody down he lines up against, who has the understanding and know a dog in the alpha when he sees it. So as soon as, as as soon as Joe said something, Joe Hayden said something, I said, man, let me let me get an eye on this dog. So I went back, I looked at his his highlights at Notre Dame. I said, man, he he enjoys blocking. What receiver enjoys blocking? <laughs> so when you when you got a receiver, not only his height, size, and speed, but a guy who doesn't mind getting dirty. Man, that's just telling you his personality. He's a damn dog, P. Mac. He could have got drafted to a team that needs weapons still to this point, but instead he fell mm-hmm. all the way down. Green Bay, why do you think, oh, after watching his highlights, because I didn't, by the way, Notre Dame is here in the state of Indiana. There's a lot of Notre Dame fans. Obviously, it's on NBC every Saturday night, but I didn't know much about the guy. And then I started watching him when he was with the Steelers. I'm like, this guy's unbelievable. Do you, When you watch the highlights from Notre Dame, and obviously now he was overlooked, but why do you think he slid down? Because there was like 45 uh, wide receivers are basically picked at one point and I didn't remember his name being in the conversation was it because you think of how deep the class was or is there people just idiots and Colbert came in and was like this is the guy right here because he's from Canada <laughs> <laughs> hockey t- it's a that, hockey that, that's just my personal opinion like if, if he was from the states I think they would have gave the man a chance but I think because he was from Canada it's like he's not American born American bred but little do they know man like the playoff teams, guys guys who play in the playoffs, usually, I can just go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they draft. Indiana, Antoine Randall-L, you know, cold weather. Um, Plexico Burris, Michigan State, cold weather. Santonio Holmes, out of Ohio State, cold weather. Even an AB out of Central Michigan, cold weather. You might get a, you, you might get a, a Mike Wallace from Ole Miss, a, a Hans Ward from Georgia, um, Emmanuel Sanders from SMU, but other than that, man, you're trying to what draft guys serious. who know how to play in the cold. And this going to Notre Dame and coming from damn near Alaska, <laughs> this guy Chase Claypool, <laughs> man, he know he know exactly how to play in the cold. Like he's more of a dog in the cold than what it is right now. So one thing about Pittsburgh, bro, and one thing I do when it comes down to wide receivers, linebackers. Offense and defensive linemen, they don't miss, dog. They do not miss. And I, I just gave you a few wide receivers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you're a wide receiver and you want to act up and think you all that in Pittsburgh, Kevin Coleman and Coach T like, man, don't even trip, man. I got Deontay, I got Deontay Johnson. I got a James Washington. I got a Juju. Now we got this youngster in the chase. So y'all can act up if y'all want to, but 
I know what I'm good at, and that's drafting receivers. But Chase, Chase just on a whole nother level, dog. Let's talk about Mike Tomlin because he was asked about I forget he was asked something today. I forget exactly what it was about. Trading going out and getting someone for Devin Bush. Oh, yeah, to trade for an inside linebacker because Devin Bush tore his ACL, which is terrible. T's and P's to Devin Bush. The recovery rehab is going to be a pain in the ass. But Mike Tomlin said, I can't see past lunch right now. So Mike Tomlin is very much like Bill Belichick. The way he handles press conferences, same exact way as Bill Belichick. Different, but same narrative. He's not giving the media a damn thing ever, and I love it. He never gets talked about in the fashion, though, of other incredibly successful coaches. Mike Tomlin's that dude, and every Every time he gives an answer that is just a non-answer at all, I love it even more because he can do it. He wins. The guy wins. He never gets talked about. Man, Coach T has a cage in a facility, meaning he has a small meeting room where all he does is watch tape 24-7. I can't tell you the time Coach T come in the building. I can't tell you the time Coach T leaves the building. (laughs) I can tell you I have sat in his so-called cage and learn and watch plenty of tape. I'm talking about from his from his IQ to the way he breaks it down or makes a person who never even watched football understand less than five minutes. Like, Coach T is locked in. And that's that's all he know, P-Mac. All Coach T know is football. That's all he want to know. That's all he cares about. And just from him coming to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the tradition and, you know, trying to hoist Lombardis and all that good stuff, that's all that man want to do. So when he say he can't see past 12 o'clock and it's 11.59, he really can't see past 12 o'clock. <laughs> what was he, he – obviously, he got to play some years there with Tomlin as a coach, right? I'm not mistaken there. I, I can do the math. Whenever he became the head coach, I remember thinking, wow, this came out of nowhere because he was with the Minnesota Vikings. I think he was a defensive coordinator, did not expect it. He gets hired, and then with immediate success or whatever, what was the first – has he changed in your eyes? Now you're outside the building looking in, but when you were in there, whenever he got in there, has he changed at all, or has he been this coach since the beginning? He's just has known what he is, how he is, and how he operates. Is I mean – for me personally, Coach T always been like, so Joey Porter was Coach Cowher's guy, you know? Yeah. Ike Taylor was Coach Thomas. <laughs> okay, here we go. I like that. So I, I, Coach T was the big brother to me, like big bro. Like, hey, Coach, Coach, <laughs> we're going for days with these stories. But anyway, um, Coach T just always been a player's coach. Coach Cowher was always a player's coach. But if he was hard on his coaches, Coach T was a little bit. Coach T, he's a little bit different. He's a player's coach, and he gives his coaches room to coach. Got if it. you know what I'm saying. Now, yeah. If you don't like what you're doing, he's gonna tell you straight up. I don't like it. and This is what we're gonna do. But for the most part, you get the best of both worlds with Coach T. Coach T wants like P Mac. P Mac, I keep telling you this. You would have loved to be in that locker room. I know. Right? <laughs> you could have drafted you me too. Could have done. And that, bro, we would have embraced the hell out of you in that I locker room. Because Coach was just going to let you be you. Yeah. He was going to let P make. It wasn't no restrictions. All Coach T would have told you was, don't make me look bad. That's all he would have told you. But other than that, be yourself. I think he gave a speech one time at the Rookie Symposium whenever I was down there, and he was like, we have a thing, just don't be that guy. Everybody knows who that guy is. Just don't be that guy. I was that guy, by the way, October 20th, <laughs> 10 years ago in this particular day, but I've heard great stories of that locker room, and I owe Mike Tomlin a lot for getting in the league. What do you got, Diggs? Like for the Steelers' secondary, is Derrick Henry, for this weekend, is Derrick Henry the last running back that you want to see break through the line of scrimmage and then have to deal with? 
I mean, I tell you this. We, as a defense and as a secondary, when I played, we like, we love to play the, the Derrick Henrys. Don't forget, man. I had the Corey Dillons. I had the Jamal Lewis's. Like, like I, I've seen two fifty that run four 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 three all the time. The Fred Taylors. <laughs> like we we I, I had them coming out the AFC. So I got brainwashed. We got brainwashed as a secondary from our linebackers. The bigger they are, the harder you hit them. So there there was no O lane. If if that bull is coming down that one way. You make sure you meet their bull in that one way head up. So yeah, that's that's how we play though. And I think that tradition till this day is, is is the same. Especially in that secondary. You only as good when it comes to tackling. You're only as good as your secondary, that guys that want to tackle on the back end. When you have a stout secondary a stout secondary in the run game when it comes statistically that means your secondary is making tackles and they're willing to hit. Is that why Ryan Clark, you think, talked about Minka Fitzpatrick not being like a physical force? It's because the Steelers secondary has always been took a lot of pride in like being like, hey, we are gonna, we are gonna, we are not scared to hit anybody type thing. We rather you throw for four hundred than you have a hundred yard game. That's that. That was that was our and we we used to call it what we're doing right now, FaceTime, man, FaceTime this mother in the alley all day so i got more praise from my teammates not off of interception not off of pbu but coming downhill and smacking somebody face to face <laughs> me too uh like you see these guys asking for trades allegedly that didn't happen much back in the day it really didn't i feel like that's become like a modern thing if you're one of these guys and i'm not gonna say ryan fitzpatrick has requested a trade and but david Njoku from the browns allegedly requested a trade he come out and said he didn't say that to whatever and then now john ross is requesting a trade and we've seen it a lot throughout modern a lot more guys are kind of controlling their narrative and story more than it ever has in the past do you like that I, I kind of enjoy the thought of guys being able to take their career into their own hands, but it always comes off as you look like a little bit of a bitch whenever you do that. You know what I mean? Like it always has like a little bit of a negative connotation to it. Not that it's right, but I'm just saying it always does for some reason. I mean, would you for for Ryan Fitzpatrick? <clears throat> you know he he's a he's a eight, he's an eight game quarterback. He's going to do good for eight games. So that's, the Dallas Cowboys—they'd go, they'd win the NFC East. He goes down there and wins eight games. <laughs> yeah, he, they yeah that's, that's just his resume. That's just who he is. Like, once you give a defensive coordinator four games to adjust on 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 Fitz and company, then the next four man, it's going to be kind of hard. Then after them eight, it's like it's all downhill. Like we didn't max out at eight games. Like that's 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 Ryan. Don't get me wrong. Statistically, he got nice stats. But he's an eight game. He's an eight game quarterback. He'll give you a chance for eight games. Uh, David and Joku, and I love David and Joku coming from Miami. I, I I thought he was a stud coming out of Miami. But David got to stay healthy. That's 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 been his issue. The same way with with, with John Ross. Like I love John Ross coming from what he came from Washington, the Huskies. Yeah, he won an island running a forty at the combine. Yeah, I, I was there. I was there, and I, I couldn't blink. Cause as soon as I blinked, he was gone. I said, "God damn!" <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how fast he. But he's been injury prone, so you you want to leave and get traded. 
the best ability the best ability is availability. And so far the two guys other than between John and David and Joku, they haven't they haven't been available because of injuries. So why why would I want you to get traded and you a high round draft pick and you really don't have any tape? And I don't know. I don't know what they what what I would get as an organization from you, but you know what? Since you do, I test the water. And if if it's something if, if it's something they want to do, if I can get you know two fourth round draft picks for uh, a third and a fourth for two first rounders, I might I might take that chance. But guys want to get traded, um, they in their feelings, and I get that they want to play, and I get that. But you control your career, and the only way you can control your careers by staying healthy and the two guys out the three you just named between you know Fitz and and, and, and Joku and Ross uh, between them two man them guys haven't stayed healthy and that's just how it is so I don't know why they want to get traded have to re-clarify Fitz has not come out and said anything mm-hmm. about being traded but there is conversation that he may be but those other two allegedly have come out and say I just it's always very interesting because the amount of gut sack that that takes to be like yeah I want out of here it's like, you still got to walk into that locker room the next day like you still it's a very it just it wasn't something that always happened back in the day now it feels like it happens on a regular basis and i've never been in a locker room where somebody's been like get me the fuck out of here i'm like all right because the next day coming in a locker room like i'm gonna have to address that whenever mm-hmm. you, you walk in here? like i'm gonna I'm like, hey bro what's going on good to see hey you will find you a place you know what i mean like, <laughs> we'll find you like i don't even know how that works you know in the locker room like uh, that just as a, as a teammate i wouldn't trip if a dude wanted to get traded i would never trip that that's a beef between the coaching staff and the front office yeah, you know what I'm saying? They ain't got nothing to do between teammates. That's that's like that's like somebody talking about somebody else's money, and it's not even your time for your contract. It, that's just like a man, a, a golden rule in that locker room. You never talk about another man's money, you know. Especially you don't know what's going on in this household. You don't know what he's going through financially. And I would do the same thing as trades. Like I would never talk if somebody, if one of my partners came in the locker room, that was like, man, I'm trying to get traded. I'm like, man, go for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm always for the player because it's, it's hard anyway playing in the NFL, as you know, Pete Mack, and just going against the front office and that coaching staff. You just really never know what's going on. Yeah, you're 100% right with the business side of it. Whenever somebody signs a deal, everybody, let me hold something. But other than that, everybody's happy. Everybody wants everybody to make a billion dollars. And I assume I've never been in a locker room where a guy requested a trade, but if he thought he could make a billion dollars somewhere else, I guess I'd be like, yeah, just go get it, buddy, whatever you got to do. But – it's a wild scene. I mean, it is a wild scene, though. It's happening a lot more. I ask why. Like, if somebody came up to me, like, man, I won't get traded. But in our locker room, we, we was we were so honest. I'm talking about PMAC. Brutally honest. So if, if somebody would have said, man, I want to get traded, we would have said either why or for what? Because you ain't playing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you going to CFL? You going to CFL? What you want to get traded for? And do what? Go to another team and stay hurt? Then a couple of more years say you want to get traded again? Like, man, you need to stop that. What you need to do is get your butt in the offseason, stay in shape, stay your ass on the field, so maybe you can have some kind of production in the resume that's on tape. Yeah, I thought for sure that's how you would act. That's why it kind of is different than your original answer. <laughs> yeah, because I think you and I are pretty similar people when it comes to that type of thing. What do you got, Connor? Uh, Ike, the Dallas Cowboys are a historically bad defense. Is there any silver lining you see, or do they have absolutely no hope for the rest of the season? Dang, I no hope. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Bro, dang. I mean, I thought the, the Mike McCarthy hire was – very questionable. Oh. And the reason why I thought it was questionable 
Um, I remember, you know, Mike said he got a staff, you know, when he was out to, to, to. He's got a what? He's got a what? He had a staff when he wasn't coaching. He had staff. a staff. He created his staff. You know that New Orleans talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he created. Staff. He created a staff of, 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 of guys who watch certain games and formations and all this. And I'm like, man, your ass got to get out the house. <laughs> the, Bill, the Bill Belichick's down in Florida. He down in Alabama. So he's in tune. What the college kid is doing, he's in tune to the new formations. He's getting ahead of the generation. The Mike Tomlins, he's down in Florida, Alabama, Texas, USC, uh, Ohio State. He getting in tune. Hey, what these what these offense coordinators doing? You know what these defensive coordinators doing in college? How these kids acting in college? What, what are they doing in the offseason in college? You got to get in tune. You just can't sit in the house and, and try to figure out what's going on in the world. You really got to go out in the world and, and, and see and actually adjust to some things that you know and try to implement them into what you're doing. So that's why these coaches, uh, the OC with Lamar Jackson, you know, he flew in a couple of OCs from college and be like, how would you use Lamar Jackson? You know what I'm saying? And that's why these guys are so successful because they're adjusted. Um, I think Coach Mike, man, he got a good resume, but right now I think his game is just too prehistoric. You know what I'm saying? It's just all the way back in the day, and I think the game had passed him up. I mean, look at it. He had, you know, Aaron Rodgers, which they did beat us in the Super Bowl, but you had Aaron Rodgers and you had Brett Favre, and you only get, you know, as a head coach, you only get one. One Super Bowl out of these guys. How many coaches can say they coach two Hall of Fame quarterbacks? I'm talking about real good quarterbacks. So and it, it's been said a few times, like sometimes, man, AR-12 just, if he ain't like what Coach Mike McCarthy say, he'll just draw something in the dirt <laughs> and be like, you go over here, you go over here, you go over there. So Mike, I, I think Coach Mike, man, I think they need, they need, a, they need a drill sergeant. Okay, so for the team or for Mike McCarthy in general? Because I do think about Mike McCarthy coming out of that basement, right? Big Mike comes out, mm-hmm. learning about Snapchat and TikTok and that whole thing, and then talking to this is the worm. They said they prepared every single day as if it was a season. And I think that man sitting behind the computer on the other side is Mike Nolan right there. That defense Yeesh. is in a terrible, terrible, the terrible spot. At Nick Marotta, what do you got, boss? Ike, I got an off-the-field question for you. Uh, Pat Diggs and myself are all born and bred Yinzers, we consider you an honorary Yinzer as well. Uh-huh. Where did you like to get down at and have a good time at in the city? Station Square. No, hey, don't, hey, don't forget, now. Station Scare? I, that was my place. I love Station Scare <laughs> down there, dude. Man, I lived there. I don't even want to put my address out there, but, you know, I, I live two blocks off of Carson Street. Same street as me, I I walk to Carson Street every day. Lord forbid I had a good lawyer. <laughs> but man, Carson Street, you know, Carson Street ain't nothing but like a bourbon, a up north bourbon street. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was on Carson Street 24 8. <laughs> can't, be, can't be on bourbon. Or you can't be on Carson Street 24 8. Can't do it. I don't know how you survived. I have no idea. Hey, those affliction pants and shirts, whenever they got out about 2 3 a.m. on Carson Street, you had to keep your head on a swivel down there. I mean, it was. A- they better keep. They better kept their head on the swivel, watching out for me, because ain't no telling what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
Larson Street is a war zone, 2, 3 a.m. You're talking about zombies, yinzers, Italians. You got people just walking. Irish. <laughs> Relax. It, man, it, it, man, I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'll right, tell you this. this one we won the Super Bowl, right? We won the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl. Detroit Super Bowl, right? When we played uh, Seattle. This is back in the gap, 2005, man. Um, I just tell you, we sat down on Carson Street and uh, rolled up a Mary Jane. <laughs> no. With one of the head authorities. Oh. <laughs> I said, this is life. I don't want to go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't want to go nowhere. Yeah. The things you can do in Pittsburgh oh, when yeah. you win Super Bowl. <laughs> it, it, it's just. And Coach Tomlin said it best. He said, "Man, you win the Super Bowl in Pittsburgh, you're on scholarship for life." And Lord knows that man ain't lying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm still on scholarship. <laughs> Pittsburgh is a football town. I was lucky to be born yeah. and raised there. They love it, absolutely love it. What do you got? Like we just talked about it a little bit, and not not that you've ever been in this situation, but how frustrating do you think it is for those D backs? For the Cowboys, where you know they're getting torched every week, but then they're the only ones that are getting talked about. It's not the defensive coordinator whose schemes are obviously probably dog shit. Um, one, I think it's too complicated over over there right now. I think they just need to they they just need to have one, maybe five plays on, on the back end. Give them boys five coverages. Um, have one set of rules. When you when you go into a game and you have too many rules, everybody's thinking on the field. And when you get everybody's thinking on the field, man, you have them eighty yard touchdowns. You have them fifty seven yard touchdowns. Um, yeah, it, it'll be simple, and a quarterback will know exactly what your defense is doing. But at least that'll put your secondary guys in better position. You know, at least they can start to communicate more when you just have one set of rules. Too many rules ain't gonna work, especially in that secondary. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining us, Ike. I love talking to you, brother. I really do. I enjoy the hell out of your conversations. Hey, anytime. Appreciate you, Pete, Matt. We got to get to a break. Um, and I, do you have any questions you would ask Aaron Rodgers if you had to talk, if you had to talk to him after what happened against Tampa? Man, he he got a uh, he got a long stroke. That thing he can't short stroke when he uh. All right, All right. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Ike. <laughs> Joining us now is a man that's in the news-breaking world, and the weight on his shoulders got doubled a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago when Rappapaw got suspended for a trim the bushes, the tree will stand taller (laughs) ad on Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, from the NFL Network, Mr. Tom Pelissaro. Yep, you're smart. Good idea. Keep it locked up. Keep it moving. Um, uh, for those that couldn't see, he just uh, zipped his mouth shut there and kept it moving, which I'm assuming he was told to do. But, hey, we appreciate you, Tom. Uh, quick question about that situation, though. Uh, is there any you think that Rappaport would have got that have happened in the last seven days that maybe he didn't get a chance, that he was sitting at home watching, just like scratching, itching, maybe sweating through this entire thing? Like the Lev Bell deal with the Chiefs. I just thought of Rappaport sitting at home pacing back and forth that he wasn't allowed to tweet about anything. Well, you know what happened with the Le'Veon Bell deal? No. Twitter was down. Oh. So this is the first time that I can remember since probably like 2008 
in which a big piece of news like that broke and you're just like, what do I do with it? <laughs> so we, we had it. If you have the, the NFL app on your phone, we had that pop up. Ooh. But we were just in like this, you know, the underground there, you know, where there was no way to actually put out the news, which was very bizarre to me. I mean, I was like refreshing different, you know, websites and, and things, seeing if anybody had it. It was impossible to tell. But no, to answer your question, uh, the little guy, I, th- I think we did all right without him. <laughs> oh. I can respect that, by the way. I love your answer and your confidence. Let's talk about the news that broke this morning. It is officially two a time in Miami for the Dolphins. Their bye week was originally scheduled for like week 11, and they had a little bit of an easier schedule after that. Bye week moves up now. Here we are in week seven or whatever. Was the plan all along to have him start after the bye week so he could get two weeks prep? And is the thought that it's just – that's the way it's been all along since drafting him, if he checks some boxes? Or how do you think they came to this decision? Well, I asked that exact question to somebody down there who was familiar with the decision-making process, and the answer I got was, it's just time. In other words, no matter what the record was, the fact that they had won a couple of games in a row, they're still in the thick of the AFC East race, only a game back of Buffalo. Uh, Brian Flores has shown that with him and his regime, you you expect the unexpected. It's not just going to be results-driven. It's going to be about the process, the culture, what he thinks is going to be the best thing for the team. I mean, you don't draft a quarterback in the top ten like the Dolphins did with Tua and expect to not play him. You know, Brian Fitzpatrick brings some juice to your team. There's no question. It's amazing that he's still doing the things that he is at this uh, stage in his career. Uh, But this offense is something that they knew was going to be or they felt was going to be perfect for Tua. I remember having conversations with coaches and scouts for other teams, but where would Tua fit? And one of the things I kept hearing was, you know, in a Chan Gailey-style offense, that's going to be perfect for him because he's going to be able to see the field, he's going to be in the shotgun, get the ball out. That's what he is really good at. Uh, once he was able to show that physically he was all the way back, which they felt very confident he was going to be there, even after coming off of that major uh, surgery that he had last fall, uh, once he was able to show that physically he was all the way back, the mental part of it and the leadership and all those things were never really in question. I mean, it would be interesting if, if to really know for certain whether this would have happened at the bye if the bye were later, because naturally that's the time that you're going to make uh, a transition but in terms of you know the scheme and all those things this is dialed up for two and a half success it was just a matter of when do you do it they felt like this was the time ryan fitzpatrick threw six games here sports center tweeted this out 1535 yards passing 12 total touchdowns and the dolphins are currently second place in the afc east this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out you think if he goes in there and struggles the dolphins care at all or is this a hundred percent this is for now and for the future play like for instance kyle van noy's down there there's some veterans that they've signed on that team who i assume would like to win now and they're in a position in the afc east now where you could potentially win now with where they're at if Tua comes in and struggles i don't know three four weeks which is probably going to happen with a rookie quarterback by the way they're going to have some growing pains do you think they'll ever question their decision or is like hey this is it we're moving forward thank you fitz magic for the magic but now it's time for Tua to see if this is the guy for the future and we're going to give him a long long leash here well i would even go back to last year remember they traded a second round draft pick for josh rosen the guy who had been a top 10 draft pick the previous year for arizona became available and we all looked at that saying okay at some point here it's going to be josh rosen time well they never saw what they wanted to from josh rosen to feel like they were going to insert him uh, into the lineup uh, and they stuck it out the way that they did uh, in this case again i think that it's a matter of tua has shown them enough 
to put him on the field. In other words, if Tua were not playing well in practice, they had questions about him physically, mentally, any of that, they wouldn't give him this opportunity. Now, if he goes out there and, and stinks it up, uh, I don't think, again, that you put anything past Brian Flores. He's going to do what's best. Uh, for the team and the organization. In this case, it's putting Tua into the lineup. I would certainly not think you're going to get a quick hook and he throws two early picks. You're going to bench him uh, on November 1st when he makes his first start against the Rams. Uh, but they're, you know, they're certainly going to be evaluating this like everything else. They're confident that he's going to be uh, the quarterback of the future, but he's going to have to show it to keep himself on the field. He's, you know, those two passes he had against the Jets were very good. I liked, I was very pumped to see it rolling out of the pocket too, making a play. This could be awesome to watch because Herbert been balling, Joey Burrow been balling. Let's assume Tua will as well. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans getting no punishment at all for the COVID outbreak. They said that they thought there was a couple situations, I guess, without masks, but overall they followed the protocols exactly. Are the protocols faulty then, if that's the case? And why did it come out in your eyes that there's no punishment happening? Well, there still could be a punishment organizationally in terms of a fine. Uh, it could be a substantial fine, but there's not going to be forfeited games. There's not going to be individual punishment for John Robinson or, or Mike Vrabel. There's not going to be lost draft picks. Uh, what they did find was that there were instances of not wearing masks, which is something we had known for uh, several weeks here. Uh, there were instances where, remember, they collected video. They did interviews. They found that there were times where players and others were gathering in hallways without masks and, and having conversations, which you would consider to be. A higher risk behavior, clear violation of the protocols. Just we can't, can't do it, it. Tom. Can't, can't do it. it. Can't, can't do it. Come on, Ty boy. Also found insufficient <laughs> communication regarding the players having their own workouts uh, off-site. <laughs> but none of this rose to the level where they felt like they had to drop the hammer on them. I think that one of the key things here is there been any evidence that the GM or the head coach or somebody was pushing guys to violate the protocols that this was an organized type of a scheme the nfl when you look historically at their punishment when they have really come down hard on people it's been when you had some level of influence from the top you know think about the saints and bounty gate and i'm sure every saints fan watching this is going to say there was nothing there well what they found and where why the punishment was issued whether you believe that the evidence backed it up or not but why they came down so hard was because they traced it to greg williams and they traced it to sean payton and the bounty system that's why they uh, suspended those guys and it had harsh punishment against a lot of different individual people. If in this case you had found that Mike Brable and John Robinson were telling players get together outside the building, were telling players you don't need to wear your mask, everything is fine, uh, you might end up with a different level of punishment. So the review is concluded. The, the results are what they are. They handed them over to the Titans. They still had to make a disciplinary decision. I would expect a fine. It's probably going to be a fairly big fine, oh, but it's not going to go beyond that because this was not a, an organized scheme to get around uh, protocols that other than that, the NFL and the NFLPA found the Titans actually had made adjustments to the building and the things uh, to bring them into compliance. That leaked audio of Greg Williams, uh, you know, saying hit Frank Gore in the fucking head. Oh, rip kill, his head the, kill, kill the head and the body will die. Kill the head and the body will die. Now, granted, hey, he's a hard-nosed coach. Okay? Yeah. He's a hard-nosed coach. But I, I believe those audio uh, <laughs> clips were probably pretty damning when it came to the, the entire jury process. So if they had Mike Vrabel on tape going, guys, take off the mask, <laughs> that probably would have led to something worse. But it just it was a, a complacency. That, that was really what they had found. It's something that honestly – there, every other team is looking at this situation. I've talked to a lot of people with other teams who were uh, thinking and hoping that the league was going to come down hard on the Titans just because it had this ripple effect across people's schedules, across their uh, practice time and other things. 
Um, but they just they did not have that evidence, and so that's why you're going to have the level of punishment that you do. Would be wild to hear an uh, audio clip. For, who was that? Was that Roger Goodell telling you not to talk? Oh, was that Rappaport? Was that Rappaport with a break right there? His... It was a, a no-caller ID, so I may Rappaport. never get that call back. Oh, that might be uh, Vinatieri. This oh. is how much I care about you. <laughs> that might. Well, I appreciate Tom. Hey, oh, we appreciate you, Tom. What do you got, Tom? Hey, Tom, uh, it was reported that Brown's tight end, David Njoku, was requesting a trade. Is that information accurate, and are there any teams interested? And how about John Ross as well over there at Cincy? There's a lot of trade requests coming from players, allegedly. Do you know anything about him? Well, John Ross definitely has requested a trade uh, with, okay. from Cincinnati. Uh, this is something where he's, you know, very talented. I mean, he was a top-ten draft pick. He's had a ton of injuries, um, went through a personal situation in camp where – uh, there was COVID in his family. He left the team for a while. He just really hasn't found his way into the rotation. Hmm. He's looking for a fresh start someplace else. In terms of uh, David Njoku, you know, he had his trade request back last summer. He's changed agents a couple of times, uh, former first-round draft pick. He, he'd be an interesting one in terms of what somebody would be willing to give up for him because there's no question that he's very talented. The issue with Njoku is just he hasn't been a consistent producer in the NFL. Can somebody go back to the college tape or watch what they've seen from the NFL and say, I can still unlock something? Am I willing to give up a mid-round draft pick for the guy? We're going to have a ton of these conversations here uh, over the next couple of weeks, and we'll see exactly how it shakes out. Tom, there was some rumors I saw this morning on the internet about also around trades that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones could be on the trade block for a possible rebuild in Atlanta. Is there any oh, fire to that smoke? That's a big contract. Though. Julio Jones would be difficult to trade because they gave him that massive contract back last September, uh, right before the opener, and so there'd be heavy cap ramifications. Uh, with Matt Ryan, um, you know, off the top of my head, I don't believe he's got nearly as much bonus proration and things. He would potentially be tradable. You know, Rich McKay, who's running the football <laughs> operations there right now, has said it's not a fire sale. They're not just giving away all the veterans. You know, to me, if I'm evaluating this, uh, you know, internally, I'm not taking my best two players off the table for whoever the new GM and head coach are. I- I'm letting – those are big organizational decisions that are going to have – uh, ripple effects going forward. I would think that those are potentially attractive pieces or p- uh, potentially attractive uh, trade pieces. And so holding on to those guys through the trade deadline, seeing maybe then, okay, where are we in January and February, would seem to make more sense. Not to mention the fact that right now Raheem Morris is 1-0 as the interim coach. He's not going to want those guys getting traded away. They can help him win some games here in, in Atlanta or someplace else, uh, become a you know, potentially become a permanent head coach. Uh, those decisions, though, are going to come to Rich McKay. Uh, you know, he's made clear that a lot of decisions are going to come down to that new GM and head coach. And that that only makes good business sense. You don't want to just start hemorrhaging assets at a time that you're also trying to attract the best coaching and GM candidates to Atlanta in a year where we could have uh, normal, if not above type of level of turnover across the league. Well, the Jets do that. They just mm-hmm. completely offset everything for their new GM or whatever. And Matt Ryan, I believe, has a cap hit of $40 million next year. So not only Julio Jones has a massive contract, Matt Ryan is still owed a lot of money. I don't know if... You would, I, car- you would carve that, though, by trading him away. I mean, you'd, yeah, you'd carry dead money for the year, but you could potentially free up assets. I mean, what do you, what do you give up for Matt Ryan? If you're another team right now, I mean, what is he worth Seven at this stage of his career? Not worth $40 million. To my, for Matt Ryan? Not $40 million. Forget what I'm trading for. What am I getting alongside Matt Ryan? I'm also getting a, what, a 20-some, $30 million or whatever. It's like, I don't know if Matt – who knows? But he was a different guy without Dan Quinn. I'm starting to wonder, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan – did, did Dan Quinn hold them back? Oh. I mean, people were asking that question, Tom. Uh, they had a massive game against the Vikings. I did not expect that. Uh, around the NFL, Tom, 
there's a lot of feel like marquee names tearing ACLs, okay? We had uh, Taylor Lewan, Devin Bush, and then obviously that first week, Saquon Barkley, you name it, boom, 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 boom. Is there any conversation around that in the NFL, or is it just like, yeah, that's it's just football, it does happen? Because it does happen, but it feels like bigger names this year are getting hurt. Well, I know that there's been a push among the uh, Players Association, some of the leadership on the player side, to eliminate uh, artificial turf. That's something that they've been really you know, rattling the cages about the past few weeks, just looking at the higher percentage of injuries that occur uh, on artificial turf relative to natural grass and making the case that even in the indoor stadiums, you could find a way to have turf, or excuse me, natural grass inside. I mean, that's that's part of the conversation. They're certainly analyzing just the overall soft tissue injuries and things like that. Remember, we didn't have a preseason. We didn't have an offseason. And if you go back to the last time that that happened, at least in terms of losing the offseason, it was 2011 coming off the lockout, and there was a higher degree of soft tissue injuries. Everybody knew that that was going to be a risk factor going in, which is why you had that push really on medical experts from both the league and the union to have the extended acclimation period at the start of training camp. I mean, there was that one Sunday, whatever that was, week two or week three, where it seemed like every superstar in the league was going down. That has abated to a certain degree, but... You know, in any given year, this is this is unfortunately kind of what happens. You're going to lose uh, really good players as the season goes along. And, you know, the teams that are there at the end either got really lucky by not having injuries or they're the teams that are able to, to shuffle somebody else in and find a way to do it, even though there's not a lot of Taylor Lewans or Devin Bushes walking the face of the earth. Health is very much an X factor in teams that succeed and don't succeed, and especially at what positions. And the grass thing, I think as soon as University of Phoenix, which is a fine school, came along and sponsored that stadium out in Arizona, and everybody realized that the grass can just walk outside for – the sun, and then just come right back in, and it's like beautiful, everybody else. I think a lot of players were like, well, if, I mean, this is the desert, so I guess that's a little bit different, but is there, are we not, do we not have the technology to take care of that? I'll be excited to see what they do, because the NFL doesn't want their star players going down either, so players are asking, and the NFL doesn't want that type of thing. I mean, Saquon, the Giants stink, but Saquon (laughs) would still be all over a lot of things right now. He's a superstar, you can't have him going out. What's up, Ty? Tom, from what you've been hearing and what we've been seeing thus far, do you expect this year's uh, trade deadline to be much more active than it has been in years past? I don't know that it's going to be more active, and I think that part of that is the complication of getting new players uh, into facilities because the COVID protocols have gotten extended now. There's a six-day period to actually get someone in. So, you know, is that going to impact, you know, kind of macro moves? Maybe not. But in terms of some of those other types of moves, it's simply more difficult. We basically have to pull off a trade on Sunday night, which is like what we saw with Steve McClendon getting traded from the Jets to the Bucks, and he just drove over from Miami after that game uh if you can't get over there quickly there's not even a way to practice that following week because you have to go through six days of protocols before you're allowed to join your new team that's a definitely a complicating factor i think that naturally we've seen in the past few years more moves uh you know the trade deadline you remember five ten years ago nobody got traded there was nothing it was it was a non-event then you've had an aggressive uh group of younger general managers that's part of it who have come in uh more willing to make moves more willing to trade first round draft picks for uh known commodities Uh, i think i don't think that that changes uh, substantially here but there's definitely something with some of the the lower end trades that we've seen in past years the depth type of guys i think that part of the reason you've seen very little trade action to this point has been the fact that teams know all right i need an injury replacement this week i can't even get it i have to go to my practice squad because there's no way i'm going to be able uh, to get a new player who's ready uh, to play by sunday yeah those six days guys aren't even allowed to work out they're not allowed to do anything so I've talked to a couple kickers who have gone free agent workouts. 
And they're like, I have to sit in a hotel for six days. I can't kick for six days, can't work out, can't really do anything. And then I have a workout where I have to be the best I've ever been in my entire life to potentially get a job. Yeah, and there's guys who the same names pop up on the wire every Monday, which means they're spending six days in one city kicking for a day or, or working out, whatever it is. They get back on a plane and go to another city for another six days. I, I can tell you this. There's some agents who have flat out told teams now, I'm not having my guy try out anymore. I know you want to see him. He's done three, four of these tryouts. I'm not having him do anymore because I, it's just it doesn't make any sense. Like, he's, he's going crazy. You're not supposed to leave the hotel. I'm sure some guys do. But, you're like, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to be isolated, quarantined. Well, yeah, how are you in shape? How are you uh, doing the things that you need to do? And then you got situations like uh, what happened in Cleveland last week. So, Dallas loses Dak Prescott, their starting quarterback, on Sunday. They need depth, so they sign Garrett Gilbert off the Browns practice squad on Monday morning. So now the Browns are scrambling, going, how do we get somebody in here in time to suit up on Sunday? So they call and try to get Kyle Laletta, who lives down in Atlanta, on Monday Monday afternoon, Monday evening. His agent goes, I don't even think he can, he can make a plane today. And they're like, well, try well, it turns out Laletta, I was told, was going to pick someone up at the airport. His agent goes, just get on this plane. I'm getting you a ticket. Have someone mail you a bag. You're going to be there for a week. Just just get to Cleveland. He makes the flight, flies up there, starts COVID testing on Tuesday. And then the Browns are told a couple days later, uh, yeah, that six days doesn't account the first day because he hadn't tested yet. So he, if Baker Mayfield can't go, he's not even allowed to suit up on Sunday. They're like, well, can we have him test? Because it would only be five days till Saturday. Well, can we have him test on Sunday morning and drive to Pittsburgh? No, that's against the protocols, too. So Baker Mayfield had not played last Sunday. If he hadn't been able to suit up, they would have only had one quarterback, Case Keenum, even in uniform. We would have been like one hit away from Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr. at quarterback. They since have tweaked the protocols. The Browns did not get grandfathered in, but the NFL tweaked the protocols. We're now travel day counts toward your six days but these are all the situations where every contingency is not necessarily fully thought through browns did everything right you lose a you lose a guy on monday you get another guy in on monday and then you're told he can't even play the following sunday these are the these are real challenges for pro personnel departments around the league i haven't talked to mr gilbert but i think he or or the other guy Loletta, I, I think he would say that they'd rather have covid than have to go against that steelers d line <laughs> yeah i think they would say just give me covid i, I don't want to go against cam hayward punch me in the ribs and TJ Watt picking me up and slamming me and he then took some hits. Oh, took some. Yeah, he got slaughtered out there. Felt bad for the guy. Speaking of getting slaughtered, uh, if you're a Jets fan, this has kind of become a regular thing, but this particular season is just bad. And I know you work for the NFL, so you can't say it, but have you ever seen a team openly try to suck as bad as the Jets seem to be trying to suck right now? And is it potentially because there's a guy down at Clemson who is basically put together as a franchise quarterback, he's fast, he's tall, he's a leader, he can throw every ball, he seems to be incredibly smart and intelligent and likable. He's the guy. Is there a thought maybe in the league's eyes that the Jets are potentially trying to suck at this particular mm-hmm. moment, Tom? Well, I would certainly tell you this. Adam Gase and Greg Williams and those guys are not trying to suck. They're oh. trying to win games. They've really? got substantial oh. challenge. I mean, think about it this way. You don't have your starting quarterback. You don't have your left tackle, who is your first-round draft pick. You don't have your second-round draft pick, Denzel Mins, who hasn't played. The Jets, for a stretch there, were playing games without the top five receivers they had on their roster entering camp. Le'Veon Bell strains a hamstring. He's immediately out. They end up having to uh, you know, release him based upon the situation there. C.J. Mosley, who they gave a boatload of money to along mm-hmm. with Bell, the previous cycle under the old GM, Mike McCagnin, 
opts out. So now you're down your best player on defense. You're down several of your best Jamal players Adams. on offense. And these are excuses, but they're just they're, they are really challenged in what was always going to be kind of a transition uh, type of a year for them. So now they're sitting there at 0 and 6. I know there's going to be constant speculation about when uh, Adam Gase gets let go, but you know if you're the Jets, he's in year two. You still owe Adam Gase a bunch of money. Who are you going to have take over as the interim coach? Do you really want it to be? Uh, Greg Williams at this stage. There's, there's a lot of factors they have to take into account. This might all lead to them finishing in a place where they end up having the right to draft Trevor Lawrence uh, at, in you know very high, if not number one overall, in next year's draft. I, I don't think anybody openly tanks coaching-wise or on the field. You know, Personnel-wise, they felt like they were going to be in a better position. They did not think that they were going to be terrible. Now that you're in it and you're watching everything that's going on, uh, that reality sets in relatively quickly, which is where you start trading away the likes of Steve McClendon, who was a really good locker room guy uh, for a swap of future draft picks. You're just you're at that point where you know some guys it's just going to make sense uh, for you to move on from them. Let Frank Gore get out of there too. Let that guy <laughs> he deserves it. Please let him go somewhere else. And Brant Boyer, special teams coordinator, should be the interim head coach. Tom, every time we talk, I appreciate you so much. Have a great day, NFL Network reporter. He's also a host on SiriusXM NFL Radio. He's an insider, and I believe people can watch you every single day on nfl daily i don't know what that is but let's go with yes if you were told to say that no so, no no, no. Go with that. i didn't read what i was told to say i'm trying to throw back don't you have a aren't you on tv daily though on nfl network what's that yeah, nfl nfl now is our midday show but here's the nfl thing. now I, if, you told me, if you told me there was a show called nfl daily i would absolutely <laughs> believe you. i don't entirely know what's going on digital wise and things like that they tell me to show up I put on the shirt and tie, and I'm ready. And you crush it, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Posar. Thank you, Tom. All right, can't thank you enough for joining us. Another Aaron Rodgers Tuesday is in the books. Yes. Big thanks to Ike, Tom, and Aaron, and all of you. From all of us to all of you, we know you can listen to a lot of other things. The fact that you allow us to penetrate your ear holes, we are eternally grateful. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a great, great lineup of guests tomorrow. Loaded lineup. Oh, my. Tomorrow's show. You thought today was good. Huh. Wait till tomorrow. Huh. People are saying October 21st, 2020. What a day for the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Arguably, maybe the best day ever. They said that? That's what people are saying. People said that? Yeah. Wow, I'm intrigued. Me too. All right. You heard it from Ty's mouth itself. From other people's mouths, I'm just reporting. Don't shoot the messenger. Hey, I want to shoot you. I'm happy for you. Sounds good. Hey, I'm happy for us. Hey, I'm happy for you too. I'm happy for everybody here. Yeah, everybody. All right. Be a friend, tell a friend. We're back, Mignogna. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music. And send these humans in the greatest Tuesday in the history of Tuesdays. Cheers. Cheers.